This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today is our Mock Draft 5.0. If you last listened to us, we were talking about the NBA playoffs. Those have already started. Uh, we already have an upset. The Nets taking game one against the Sixers. 76 or Raptors play the magic right now. Uh, we're also watching the Masters to keep up with that. Tigers right now uh, two strokes behind the leader. Uh, so we're super excited right now. It's going to be a fun time. And we have a mock draft 5.0. Uh, mm-hmm. We have another one coming out in two weeks. Uh, correct. And which one is that? That's the live lotto. That's the live lotto one where we will put all the balls into a, a bingo machine and draft the order. I know you guys have been asking for that for us to use Tankathon for some of that. That is something that we will be taking into consideration. Might put that into effect next year uh, for Tankathon. Uh, do that for all the regular mock drafts. Still have a live lotto where we make it a little bit special where we physically pick the order. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that stuff. But uh, so far, we're going to keep it rolling. These are using the Tankathon orders right now and with the coin flips. Uh, so I mean, we don't have to talk about anything besides patreon.com slash most about podcast besides that then because I mean, we don't have to talk about uh, what we're going through because it's all the mock draft no. today. So if you want to check out patreon.com slash most about podcast, check out the tiers that we have now at the bronze tier. You can join our discord. You can talk to us and you could also get the mock drafts a week ahead. Um, you might not get a mock draft of the week ahead for the next mock draft. You might just get a big board. That's probably what we'll do is give you a big board of uh, what we would do um, because we can't give you a mock draft because we don't know the order yet. Yeah, um, that was tough. We'll, we'll probably give you a big board uh, for the one on the 27th. If you do become a patron uh, for the bronze tier, the silver tier, you get to pick a topic. And then the gold topic, you get to come on to the podcast and talk to us. And next week, we'll have five Patreon topics. Uh, so it's going to be crazy. It'll be nuts. It'll be insane. You're going to love my nuts, Dave. You're oh going to love my nuts. All right. It's funny. You're the second time you hear it the same day. <laughs> Let's jump in now to the uh, mock draft uh, 5.0. We'll start 1 through 10, 11 through 20, then it will be the second segment, and the 21 through 30 will be the third segment. Uh, and then we also are taking into effect now as well. Uh, we'll be talking about the 11 through 20s and 21 through 30s. Uh, we might not go through every single pick like we will for the 1 through 10, but we will at least talk about it. Briefly, so every pick will be talked about, uh, and we'll have some discussion on those. So let's start off one through ten. Ricky Wimmer, start us off. Well, starting off at number one, the easiest pick in the entire draft. Whoever's there right now, it's the Knicks. Zion Williamson. They're gonna go with Zion. He's going to the Mecca for obvious reasons because he's number one overall. Then the Cavs. They're gonna go R.J. Barrett. Suns going John Morant because point guard's a huge need for theirs. The Bulls. I'm gonna do something interesting. Something I have not done. Yet in a mock, I've either had Cam Reddish or maybe Jarrett Culver, maybe just Cam Reddish throughout. I'm going Kobe White, though, the guard from UNC at four. Then at five, the Hawks go DeAndre Hunter forward from the Virginia Cavaliers, Wahoo. Um, Then the Wizards go Cam Reddish forward from Duke at six. Number seven, Brandon Clark, the forward from Gonzaga going to the New Orleans Pelicans. Then the Grizzlies because of the coin flip, go Jarrett Culver, the guard from Texas Tech. Hawks via the Mavs at 9, going bowl, 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 the center from Oregon. And then the T-Wolves at 10, going Darius Garland, 
the guard from Vandy. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that Kobe White thing. He did not even make your 1.0. He was not even there, and now he's no. already a top five mm-hmm. pick. So a crazy rise for Kobe White. Yep. We'll talk about him once we get to the Bulls there. But Dave, take us through your one through 10. Number one, I got Zion Williamson going to the Knicks. Two, RJ Barrett to the Cavs. Three, John Moran to the Suns. This is starting to sound familiar. Four, I've got the Bulls taking Jarrett Culver. At five, I've got the Hawks going DeAndre Hunter. At six, the Wizards taking Bull Bull. At seven, the Pelicans taking Kobe White. At eight, the Grizzlies taking Darius Garland. Nine, the Hawks going with Jackson Hayes. And at 10, the T-Wolves taking Brandon Clark. All right, now my one through 10, we have Zion Williamson going to the Knicks. The Cavs taking R.J. Barrett. At three, the Suns taking John Morant. Four, the Bulls taking DeAndre Hunter. Five, the Hawks taking Jarrett Culver. Six, the Wizards taking Brandon Clark. Seven, the Pelicans taking Cam Reddish. Eight, the Grizzlies taking Darius Garland. Nine, the Hawks via the Mavs taking Jackson Hayes. And number 10, the T-Wolves taking Kobe White guard from UNC. Let's start off at number one, the Knicks taking Zion Williamson. I don't really know what question to ask. Um, (laughs) I think the question would be, how close is it in your mind then, I guess, from one to two? Like obviously Zion, you said it's 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 mm-hmm. not even a discussion. Um, what's the biggest concern for Zion that you would see? Is it the fit of where he would be drafted to? Would it be something he actually has control over, like his jumper, or would it just be injury concern? I the only thing stopping him in my mind is if he gets injured. Knocking on that wood, actually, I'll knock on wood on our board because we actually have it. That's the only thing stopping him. Like, to me, there's, yes, the whole thing that we've talked about of, like, oh, can he work on a shot? Absolutely. But, I mean, mm-hmm. everything that he has and the athleticism he brings to the table, any team would be silly not to take him at number one. And there's a reason why we've had him at number one the entire year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot we haven't covered on Zion Williamson, so... I just think fit-wise, with the Knicks, it works out for them perfectly. They're kind of restart. They hit the restart button on the franchise by trading KP. So moving forward with Zion, potentially keeping uh, DSJ there and mm-hmm. Kevin Knox, like it's a good young core. And then if they're able to hit in free agency like they hope to, team could be very exciting next year. Especially mm-hmm. if they get Kevin Durant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if they get Zion Williamson, it's automatically an upgrade. It's automatically going to make them uh, one many? of the most intriguing players. I'll, uh, one I'll of the most ask that teams. If they just get Zion, say they don't land either the big free agents in mm-hmm. typical New York fashion, how many wins does this team end up with? How many wins added is Zion Williamson for this next team? Well, well I think it depends on who they keep because um, they still have DeAndre Jordan, who's an expiring free agent, but it sounds like he wants to stay in New York. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they have to be at least good for 25 to 30. Oh, okay. Because I think that you know Dennis Smith Jr. being there for full year will be huge. Um, you still have Kevin Knox, who's going to have another year of development. Zion Williamson, I think, adds at least five wins to a team um, if they're actually trying to win, too. I mean, this team was not trying to win. It's true. Um, they have Mitchell Robinson, who was an absolute Oh, I forgot Mitchell force Robinson. How did I miss Mitchell In the Mitchell second Robinson? half. Yeah. Uh, love him. It's amazing. Uh, they have Dotson, who's a very good three-point shooter. Um, Tiger just set himself up for a birdie again uh, to tie <laughs> for the lead. Um, nice. I, I just look at this team, and I think there are very intriguing pieces to this team. Mm-hmm. And I think, obviously, adding Zion, who we clearly think is the best player in the the, the draft, yeah. um, adding him to this team is just going to make them uh, at least five wins better. And th- that's also not even taken into account that they were purposely trying to lose this mm-hmm. year. And I don't think they're going to be trying to lose this year. Um, I mean, what, Mario Zonia tried to stop that. Like, he tried to set them <laughs> straight at the end of the year. And, and Hazonia, if he comes back, too. Um, I pretty God he doesn't. Yeah. That team doesn't uh, deserve if, him. If he does come back, uh, he'd be something. Uh <laughs> 
I don't know. You like him more than I do. I, I really give a do. Mario Hazonia. I know. Um, I hope he finds a better. I just home. think Zion would be a, a player. He's going to win Rookie of the Year no matter what. Um, I think he's at least it, worth five really? wins. Yeah. You think that there's nobody who can compete for Rookie of the Year against him? No. Not he's even gonna, he's not gonna, even your guy from last year, who sat the entirety of this year. John Michael Porter, no, Michael Porter Jr. I can do it. I, I think that. Who? Michael Porter Jr. Okay, I heard Michael, and then I heard something else. Like Porter I heard, Jr. I heard Jordan. Kevin? Oh, I was like Michael Jordan. Well, I said John Morant. Yeah, so probably the. Yeah. I just, I, I think Zion's gonna come in. and He's gonna put up eighteen. He's probably gonna grab ten boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might even. That's probably underselling him too, because um, he's gonna grab boards. Okay, there's no way he's not gonna grab boards. Yeah, uh, and he's probably gonna dish out like a decent amount of assists too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, that's, not even, that's not even talking about that's not even talking Couple about his defensive blocks. stuff too. Couple so I, I think he's just gonna be a dominant force right away. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need to talk about Zion more though. Well, I just with me, I like your twenty-five to thirty, but the only thing I think about is I use the Hawks and the Mavs as kind of like an example. Mm-hmm. They added two guards. Yeah, who have been really good, yeah. and the Hawks have only they only improved five wins this season by trying to tank for the last exactly, month. and then the Mavericks on their wh- how I'm do sorry, you the Mavericks it? tank for well, the Mavericks were their like really good tanking where it's like hey they're in this game and they yeah. lose well, they, and traded they, four they added nine games yeah the Mavs could have the Mavs could have been a playoff team. If they didn't mm-hmm. trade away their starters and didn't try to tank to keep their pick, yeah. And then the Hawks didn't have a, an immediate impact from Trey Young right away. Mm-hmm. It took him a while to get going. Yeah. Whereas um, and once he was, Zion's going to be an immediate impact. Yeah, yes, I mean, he's he, going to be high very, percent shots. Hopefully under the hoop. Um, hopefully not taking too many of those threes with mm-hmm. that interesting form that he has. I think the biggest thing for him is just going to be turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, it, it, maybe he's going to try to do too much and turn the ball over too much. I think that's going to be the biggest thing okay. for him. Uh, any final thoughts on? I think, that I think it's the easiest pick in the draft. Yep. All right, let's go to Cavs taking R.J. Barrett. I'm surprised to see R.J. Barrett for across the board for you guys because you guys think that John Morant's the second-best player in the yeah, draft. Yeah, but I the do. Cavs have a point guard. Okay, but we've talked about this before The with the with the, with the Cavs. And my I mean, opinion is yet to change. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said my opinion is yet to change. Yeah, I know. They have Colin Sexton. Yes, but, I mean, would you rather go BPA here? I no. mean, if you do you think John Morant's the best player in the draft? Yeah, that's not Zion Williams. If it's a big board, I'm putting Ja at number two. But if the Cavs are at number two, I'm either taking RJ, or if I don't like RJ for some reason, if I'm the Cavs, yep. I am trading that pick. Those are the only two options. I go with RJ. You, and two. you have a significant gap between Ja, ja and RJ, correct? Yes. Okay. And you're the same. I think the top end, uh, RJ, and I think that gap's close at the top. I think the floor. Okay. Is a whole lot different. I think RJ's got a much deeper floor than uh, Zion does, or than uh, John Morant does. Mm-hmm. So I, I still think that Colin Sexton. I probably gave up on him a little too early when I watched him start play a little better. He still scares me with his lack of facilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure quite what that system is yet because I think Larry Nance might have led them in assists this year, which is special. I'll double check. Um, that. But no, I think that it sounds about right though. It does, right? That's the yeah. scary thing. Even just saying out loud. I think and here's the best thing is I don't actually have to che- I don't have to actually have to check you because no one actually cares. <laughs> um, Della Deli actually did 4.2 assists, but for guys that were there the whole season, it was Larry Nance. Yeah, 4.2. yeah, nailed it. Uh, which is terrifying. So Colin Sexton, I, I think we weren't too far off with it. Like maybe this guy could work better as a two guard. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think John Morant's still in the running for that role. But R.J. Barrett has a similar top end to him and is a wing in a much more valuable role in the current NBA right now. So. I think they go with R.J. Barrett. They hope to roll forward with those two key pieces together. I think that Ja's in the discussion, but I'm probably the one that has the closest gap between Ja and R.J., mm-hmm. so that's why I'm going with R.J. Okay. Um, but 
if you're talking about can Colin Sexton and John Morant work together, I think they can. I think that offense would be very exciting. Yeah. And I don't think you should rule out John Morant because you have Colin Sexton. Go with the best player you think it is. And if it's a, a big gap uh, between John Morant and R.J. Barrett in your mind and you think that John Morant's uh, the, the better player, mm-hmm. go with him because it's just going to help that offense more. It's going to create that spacing. And Colin Sexton was a machine in the last 24 games. 20 points per game, 3.2 assists, 2.4 rebounds. Uh, that's not great, but his splits were great. 47, uh, well, 20 points is great. Uh, the 3.2 assists for a guard isn't great. Uh, but 47.7% from the field, 41% for three, 82.6% from the line. He can be a good two guard. How many, how many threes was he taking in that last uh Like five a game. game. Yeah, that's, that's, his shot selection completely changed over the season, which was mm-hmm. awesome because he was taking inefficient twos, like long twos, mid-range game, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, so you're going to only do layups and threes. You yeah. good at that? Uh, it turns out, yes. He's very good at it. And, uh, yeah, he was he averaged uh, pretty much six, actually. Uh, he, was, he went two and a half uh, per game, made to, like, six, 5.8 uh, yeah. attempts a game. So Massive pretty much job. two and a half and six. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that Tiger, uh, sorry, <laughs> Tiger's now tied for the lead. Oh, that's uh, so funny. I think that uh, Colin Sexton could be a two-guard. And yeah. John Morant next to him, especially with, uh, Larry Nance, who can space the floor and also you know be very athletic and move around. Uh, Kevin Love, who's going to be coming back, he can obviously space the floor. Uh, Tristan Thompson, a very athletic guard, uh, a very athletic uh, big. Um, and you look at some of the other players they have on this team uh, that can develop into you know contributors uh, off ball. I think that would be something that you have to consider if you do think John that highly of John. Yeah. Murray. Um, because you know C, uh, GD uh, can be a guy who can shoot from the outside. Uh, they they have Stauskas as well. Um, I don't know if he's if he's under contract or not. Clarkson, uh, a guy that can work off ball. Uh, Marquis Chris Clarkson was a, oh, can't work off ball. Mar- Marquis no, he can't. Uh, Marquis Chris uh, was I mean, was firing up shots. He was he was shooting like a decent amount of threes when he came over to the Cavs. Um, he's still care. young too. Um, yeah, he so can. There's there's a chance that they can hope for continued development. You know, a la the uh, Alex Len on the Hawks. Yeah, I'll just look at that one Brooklyn game where he had 23 points and uh, feel good about yourself. Went three of six from three. Uh, you know, maybe he can redo that again. He also had yeah. six fouls and fouled out. But um, <laughs> yeah, it surprised me. <laughs> I, I think that it, it just depends on who you think the best player is. Do you think go with it. on that team that Kevin Love is, is someone that you should plan around him being there throughout these guys' uh, first four years, or do you think that he will be moved before the contract's up? The only player you should plan on being there is Colin Sexton. Okay. And that's not saying that Larry Nance shouldn't be there or will get traded. That's not saying Tristan Thompson will get moved to trade. Um, but the guy that will be there for... The next four years, for sure, yep. under his contract, will be Colin Sexton. Okay. And that's that's no doubt in my mind. Um, cool. So I think best player available, go with who you think that is. Um, and I think that's R.J. Barrett, at least, uh, you know, I think it's splitting hairs, really, between him and Jem Yeah. I just think that, you know, if, if since you are splitting hairs, you go with the wing. Um, Sounds good. But it seems like mm-hmm. you guys weren't splitting hairs, so that's why I was shocked to see that uh, R.J. went second. But let's go to three. Uh, the Suns taking Jem again. Clear. All hail what, the what point else guard in Phoenix. Like, Jesus Christ, you guys have dodged this pick for a while. What do you think? And I know that we have the like the draft pick odds of the 14% to be in the top that three. Yep. What's your personal percentage that Phoenix is going to be outside of the top three? Because Pretty for high. me, they have to hit in a top three because they either need to get Zion at one or John Morant at two or three. Like, they need Ja Morant. If they get out of the top three and don't get Ja, mm-hmm. then Phoenix, it's like, great. Like, I mean, no, I they mean, could maybe Kobe take Kobe White. White, but, like, what if it's a situation where I just tank a on it right now 
and it would oh this is a different one this is where the heat went up to number one but like what if Damn. the yeah what if the suns fall all the way to six which yeah, could mean, be the farthest they, they, they fall mm-hmm. I like, thought they could go seven. I thought it's four spot drop. Then maybe it's seven. Like yeah. six, seven. That would obviously be the worst case scenario. Yeah. Same thing we did, you and I did for the Knicks last week. Sean, I want to ask this to you. Mm-hmm. If that's that worst case scenario, what do you do if you're the Suns? If you're sixth or seventh drafting for Phoenix? I think you have to at least look into possibly trying to move up um, to get John Morant. Because if you're if if you're moving down that much, if you're literally falling all the way to seven, mm-hmm. um, that means some weird team jumped you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that Megan's that the third third pick might be movable because that team wasn't expecting to be in the third third position. Uh, it's kind of like the Kings last year. I think the Kings were trying to shop that. That's why you heard the rumors of Michael Porter Jr. Just seeing like what mm-hmm. people thought about Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. and then also seeing if they want to trade it. Um, so I think you have to definitely explore trading up. Uh, to get John Morant, but if you don't get John Morant, I think that you have to pray that Kobe White's still there. And then if not, if Kobe White's not there and obviously John Morant's not there and you're not able to move up, I think moving back a couple would also kind of make sense because I think Darius Garland would not be a good fit for that team. Mm -hmm. I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker might be. Yes. Uh, Some length, some moving of the ball. I think Garland and Booker play too similar, so I would not like that fit next to each other. Um, So... That being said, I, I I think that there's a couple options that they would have to do. They'd be probably pissed uh, for sure. They'd get, they get screwed over because yeah. like I just that's that's not even sons. That's just complete <laughs> screw job. Because like I that's, don't that's, know what to expect We don't know what to expect levels. this year though. Like that's the crazy thing about yeah, it. No, for sure. And then we'll obviously see that when we do our live when we do our live wait. thing. Because like I just did it right now on Tangline. It's Pelicans, Mavs, Cavs are your top three. Bulls at four, Knicks at five, Suns at six. So yeah. that's a situation of what could happen if they end up at six, and this has them going to Andre Hunter. Read off that thing again. So Pelicans at one. Okay. They've got Zion. Zion. Yeah. Um, Mavs at two. Tankathon says R.J. Barrett. R.J. Um, Cavs at three. They say Jarrett Culver. Mm. Um, then Bulls at four. John Morant. Knicks yeah. at five. Cam Reddish, and then Suns at six. DeAndre Hunter. Mm. I, yeah, that's a questionable. Thing. Mavs go Culver is what you said? Mavs go RJ, Cavs go Culver. Cavs go Culver. Yeah, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I think the Suns would have to try to trade up, though. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if the Mavs are there, that would be a team that I could think moves back. Because yeah. the reason why you're, you wanted that pick for the Mavs was because you're not going to have a pick next year. Well, if you're going to give them a pick next year, mm-hmm. um, then I think they that might, might do that. Swallow, and then, you know, you're also moving back. So I think you know if the, if the Mavs are able to put themselves in a position where they literally just – Mm-hmm. traded Luka Doncic for Trey Young in some way where they're able to get a first-round pick next year yeah. um, and not lose a first-round pick. And you the Cavs' first-round pick, so you're going to mm-hmm. get back a pretty good lottery mm-hmm. chance. With Suns. I'm sorry, the Suns, yeah. Uh, so, pretty I, good lottery chance. They might. They wouldn't Top be able to trade protected. it because they have the, 20, oh, the right. 2021 they gave up. Um, but still, if you're able to get a first-round pick... Um, it I think sort that, of softens that blow. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think the Suns would have to do. But mm-hmm. if there are three, John Morant's available. They're checking John Morant. Bulls, this is where it gets interesting. I have DeAndre Hunter, you have Kobe White, and uh, Dave, you have Jarrett Culver. You Obviously, Culver's been a very consistent pick here for some of us. Yep. Um, we've kind of changed it up a bit. 
Tell us briefly about Culver. Why is he a good fit with the Bulls? Uh, if you watched his last two games, you Bad. probably saw some of the worst play of Jarrett Culver all year. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that was my biggest concern. Yep. My biggest concern for Jarrett Culver was him being in a spotlight as a scorer. Yep. And you saw what happened, and he oh, was he felt really the pressure. Bad. He got doubled like crazy. Like He got smothered. Nothing was, was worse horrible. than the shot where they're down four, like 36 yeah. seconds left. He comes up on the right side and just fires up a three. That is not mm-hmm. Jarrett Culver. I, I will say this, though, and mm-hmm. this is giving the benefit of doubt for Jarrett Culver. In the final four, he played a very well-coached team and a very veteran-savvy team in Michigan State, and then in the championship played one of the best defensive teams year in and year out yep. in Virginia. No, so, I mean, I mean, it wasn't like yes. he was playing random no. Joe Schmo this time. Okay, but he's going up against players that either are extremely great college mm-hmm. players or pros, like let's say DeAndre yeah. Hunter, oh. and that's concerning. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Especially guys like Tony Bennett, who's rumored for NBA jobs every now and then, mm-hmm. and to- uh, Tom Izzo, who's built up one of the best po- Blue Bloods mm-hmm. in-, in college basketball. It is concerning that when you look to be a number one scorer, that you do not perform. And but this that's is the- not what he is, and that was my biggest concern for him. Yes. That that's the whole point is he was put into a role that I don't think he is actually I don't think he is a number on. one scorer. I think he is a complimentary guy. He is mm-hmm. an off ball handler. He's gonna be that second guy on your team to help you win games. I don't expect him to take the load night in, night out, which is what they're asking him to do, because they really didn't have many options at Texas Tech. And with year. the Bulls he wouldn't have to be because Zach's our number one. Exactly. Then it goes what, Laurie and then Otto? Yeah. And well, then maybe, well, Jared would maybe be mixed in with Otto because he'd be in the second unit. Yeah, um, we'd have to see how that one would play out. But he's not the number one for sure because Zach's our number one. Yep. So I, I think that if you overvalue those last couple mm-hmm. of games, I can see why a guy like DeAndre Hunter, you would want him because he absolutely played up in that championship game. Incredibly efficient, good usage, um, and, and defensively he was everywhere you want him to be. So I, I think it's... It, it's a very close thing, but I like the ability for Jared Culver to be a secondary ball handler. Uh, I just think there's extra value there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right, but let's talk about Kobe White because I think it's a, a very intriguing. Yeah, I think it's a bull pick. I mean, I liked it. What got me thinking about it was actually Dave and I last week when we did the segment on is Kobe White a top ten, 10 pick? Yep. We talked about maybe the Bulls, um, and maybe like we were talking if like the Bulls move back and yep. we fall in the draft and like kind of worst case scenarios for the Bulls and then I saw some of the commenters were like well like Kobe White top 10 pick no he could be a top 5 pick and at first I was like no you're crazy like he's not going to be a top 5 and then I started thinking about it and the Bulls at 4 and one of our biggest needs is point guard duh yep. um one of the biggest reasons why is Chris Dunn is up at the end of the year and we're going to have to make a decision of what we're going to do. Are we going to bring him back for a reasonable price? Is someone as an RFA going to throw him a contract that we can't match or that we have to match? And, and we don't want do to Do we match. want to overpay him? Like, do we just let him walk? There's so many situations you can do with Chris Dunn to where I feel like we like that is a huge need. And although Kobe White might be a little bit of a reach for some people here, I feel like for the Bulls he could be a sleeper pick because – he can shoot from beyond the arc. He shoots a good percentage from the field. The only thing is he doesn't go to the line a lot, yeah. but we don't need him to drive because we got Zach, who's the main driver of this mm-hmm. team. Like, look at how Otto Porter came in. I know he's not a point guard, but how he came in, not as a driver, as a shooter, and really helped us out. Yeah. 
And although he's not racking up as as many assists as Ja, he can still get the ball to people. And I think he could be a better point guard for us than Chris Dunn is. And then if we need to have Dunn in, we can maybe switch White to the two guard in some situations and some rotations. I disagree about the two guard thing with Chris Dunn. I think Chris Dunn's being underrated. The biggest thing that uh, Chris Dunn doesn't have for him is just health. Um, or shooting. I think ideal. I think ideally, though, he is probably like he's not the he's not the best, but like mm-hmm. that would be a point guard that you would want Hopefully, for this yeah. for this Bulls team. You want a defensive guy who can move the ball around, and Chris Dunn can do that. Uh, the biggest thing that I would worry about with Kobe White is will he be enough of a facilitator to um, to really help this offense? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you, I think you need on this team is to be a facilitator. Um, I think I like him a little bit more for the Bulls than, let's say, a Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like Darius Garland more as a player. I think Darius Garland is a more impactful offensive player than Kobe White. Uh, and the biggest concerns that I get I do have for Kobe White is he was playing on a team in UNC that was so senior heavy yeah. and was so well coached. And if he's not put in those same positions to flourish where you're using his best skills to help the team and he's just kind of left to do it on his own or play off of guys like Zach Levine and Otto Porter Jr. and Laurie Markkinen, if he is not in a position to succeed and flourish and he's trying to find his way, will he be able to do that? Because then I think he might just go into that idea of, I need to score. Um, and, and I think that's what he kind of felt like late on in uh, you know UNC's season uh, when we're talking more near the uh, more near the uh, you know the the, the conference tournament yeah. against Duke um, and and the games against Iona and Washington and Auburn. Uh, he I felt like he was he felt like he was in a position uh, to score a lot because he was four fourteen four fourteen six of eleven four fifteen. If his shot's not falling, can he be a facilitator for his teams? And in those four games, um, he averaged uh, three and a half assists, yeah. which is not what that team needed. That team needed ball moving. That ne- team needed to open up Cam Johnson outside. They needed to open up Luke May down low, um, and they were not able to do that. And that's why they lost to Auburn. And I think that's to be fair, the- Luke May was getting massacred down low. Mm-hmm. Like that was but, that was a bad matchup for that team. And I agree, like he but, didn't but help even, them by leaning into it. But like they had opportunities. Even outside of that, I think they just like just in general, like yep. the Washington game, the Iona game, the Duke game. The ball wasn't being moved a ton, and that is on Kobe White. And, and even if that's not his game, he needs to be able to do because that's he needs to be able to do that in the NBA, especially if he's going to the Bulls, because that's what the Bulls need is a is a guy who's going to move the ball around. Well, and I mean, I also throw out there too as you're as you're saying what you're saying, Sean. I was kind of thinking of like the Bulls right now starting lineup. If we came back with the same starting five next year, yeah. Rolo being the big question mark, because he said, like, hey, I'd love to come back hey, put and Wendell. play with these guys. Um, Wendell coming off of injury will be interesting, too. But if we came back with, like, Chris Dunn, Zach, Otto, and Markinen, I'm not upset with that. And if we have Kobe White, maybe what we can do and help him kind of develop as a player, too, is, all right, your main role to start the season is you are our number two point guard behind Chris Dunn, and then we just the see what disrespect happens. Disrespect to Archie Diacono. I mean, Archie's good. I, no, I, he's I would not. say keep Archie. Um, but I mean, with me, Kobe <laughs> would be. I love Archie. Archie's he's the guy. He's gonna scrape. He's gonna 
put his body the on favorite, the line. The favorite comment that I've heard about Archie Diakono is that he's the white Kirk Heinrich. I yeah, love Kirk that was, Heinrich. I love reading that. <laughs> the white Kirk Heinrich. I love Kirk Heinrich. Yeah. No, Ryan um, Archie Kirk is, Heinrich, uh, Chicago A permanent bench guard, and he, mm-hmm. he would instantly be passed by Kobe White. I the, think that the question is disrespect to Walt Lemon Jr., Dave. You mean Derek D. Rose, Rose Jr.? Jr.? And uh, and the if we get Kobe White, are we bringing back D Rose? Oh God! Because yeah, those rumors, there's so that. many questions that just instantly rise. But no, hold like on, hold we, on, hold on. Do you want? Do you actually want D Rose back? If we do not draft a point guard, I would not be upset with bringing him back for a year. Do you want him back? I mean, I'm not actively saying, hey, let's bring back D Rose. But like, if we brought him back, it wouldn't He's got be bone mad. Bone chips in his elbow. You want him back? Be mad. I would take him back. <laughs> I would take him I'm a blind fan of the Bulls. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Dave, he's got bone chips what in I, his elbow. What I, I take him s- back. What I want to say about Please this Please go is, back, d <laughs> I would rather take any other point He could be our Lou Will. No, he cannot. He, he will take away shots from whoever. You, you're, Who on our bench be- do you want taking a shot? You're Name be- a six. Jakar Samson? Harrison. Shaq Harrison? You're better. I mean, Archie Diakno? Because those guys Felicia. are going to be actually on the team next year. You can still okay, go Felicia. out and sign Cristiano. guys. Okay, Felicia will be on the team. Yeah, because uh, I dumb contract. You can be a 15 man. I mean, but no, like, you, you literally don't have bench scoring. Mm-hmm. So we've been relying on Shaq Harrelson Wayne to Selden. do that. Wayne Selden. But that's that. the team this year. You can still sign and add players to that mm-hmm. bench. And the thing that I look at with D. Rose yep. is he's not going to want a one-year deal. Yep. He's going to want a long-term deal. I mean, we'll give him And two. I think this whole documentary thing is a big thing from his agents yep. to warm up Chicago oh, and the yeah. front office to the idea of bringing him back. I'd give him 2 and 16 probably. Mm, that's a lot. 8 mil a year for D Rose. I mean, he's super worth. Here's the thing that I will say. 18 points per game. He put up very similar numbers to what he did with the Knicks. Yeah. And a lot of that was inflated by the first 25 games he played. Yeah. Because His 3 point percentage went Oh, the last 25 games, he shot 22% from three. He had bone spurs in his elbow. And he's still going to have those. Your shot's going to go bad. He's no, still... he's getting rid of them. That's, it needs time. Another surgery. needs time. I, I would be, if you're a Bulls fan, highly consider what D-Rose is. It's not just D-Rose, the player, and the fact that number one will be back on his, his, his number, uh, on the back of his jersey. At the same time, we're not competing for the playoffs next year. Okay, but you're still, you're still need to build up your youth. Good and you're point, taking Dave. away shots from Kobe White. You're taking yep. away shots from Laurie Markin. You're taking away shots from Wendell Carter Jr. You're taking away shots from Otto Porter. You're I taking away shots from much more important bench point guard. I think he would be a Lou Williams role, and I don't think there's a lot of harm in that. Because Could, the team, second, the second, unless Kobe White starts to play worse, you're gonna get chance from the United Center that D Rose should be starting. I don't even think we wait that long. But uh, the well, and, and then immediately clearly you're hurting your Amazonian free agency. You're hurting your team. Bench scoring. Um, He's got a new point guard. I just I, I think Kobe White's an interesting pick. I, I think it's just a little bit too much of a reach. I, I, here's the thing. I don't think it's a. I think it could be seen as a reach. But if you get the guy that works out for the system, like I see, I foresee Chris Dunn going into a Marcus Smart role on this team in the future. Like I don't know that any team's going to offer him a lot of money to go elsewhere unless the Suns get Sunsed, and then they could try to make a move for a player like him. Mm-hmm. Just so I heard you say Chris Dunn. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure. Who else would I be talking about? I don't know. We, we were mentioning Kobe. We were mentioning D Rose. Yeah. Just want to make sure I heard you. I'm right. trying to reset. I'm, I'm saying okay. Chris Dunn, more of a mm-hmm. secondary uh, role player like Marcus Smart yeah. would be too with this team, where he can come in, add that toughness, still be able to drive and kick. But I think Kobe White, I I, I see him working in Chicago because like, and take the D Rose thing aside. Like, yeah. let's say we draft Kobe White. The thing like that you were saying, Sean, that I could maybe see working is. Like I said, okay, you're going to be the two guard. 
behind Chris Dunn and he can work on his skills with the second unit and then we don't have any problems to start the season mm-hmm. with him in or like with him causing problems like it doesn't hurt Chris Dunn in his development but if it goes down the season and we see hey Kobe White is kind of developing and he's better than Chris Dunn then we can make the flip or we can keep him with the second unit the whole year yeah i i just i'm i was with the D Rose thing I'm just saying. Got him derailed with D-Rose. Go young. Chris Dunn's um, 25. Yeah, and he, he's he's not bad. He's just not healthy. <laughs> I'm just saying. It. And he I, was I like think, what 22 when he came out. Yeah. though? Yeah, he was he was a senior. Yeah. Um, I, I think he just hasn't been healthy, and I think he could still be a fine badge player. Mm-hmm. Um, I I went away from that because I don't think there's a point guard worth taking it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I went DeAndre Hunter because I know you guys have wing help already with Otto Porter, and they might be a similar player. Um, yeah. You know, both yeah. guys that can shoot from the outside, both guys that can drive. Um, but DeAndre Hunter does seem like a very good glue guy. He's clearly a great defender. And I think that the biggest thing that he could provide to this Bulls team is just a, a consistent player that can come off the bench. And you don't have to worry about Shaq Harrison. You don't have to worry about uh, Jakar Sampson. You don't have to worry about Ryan Archdiakono. You I can mean, get we a do li- technically still have, like, Denzel Valentine and Hutch. So, I mean, like... DeAndre mm. Hunter's both better than both of them. It's not even close. Is he? Question. Yes. Question Denzel for... Valentine is horrible. Is he? Yes. Here's... Are you... Have you been talking to John Paxson? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Here's the question I want to ask for you since you brought yeah. up DeAndre Hunter. That I kept when I watched that last game, yeah. I sat back and I said two things. Mm-hmm. Great. DeAndre Hunter's gonna shoot up draft boards just because of this game. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, Kyle Guy is gonna be seen as now I know DiVincenzo had a great combine, which added to yeah. it. But people are gonna look at Kyle Guy as like, ooh, we can take him in the second round because he's like he's gonna have that same Divincenzo type of second rounder. Like that Divincenzo type of no, I know, but like the combine helped Divincenzo even more. Divincenzo coming into that championship game was not say his his name correctly, Ricky. White Dante. (laughs) But uh, the question I want to ask you, Sean, is: Do you think as we get close to the draft, is DeAndre Hunter going to shoot up draft boards? mainly because of how he played in the final game and the final two games, especially that final game with the shot I mean, he making. I mean, 4-5-5, how mm-hmm. much higher do you think he can go? Yeah, that's the thing is, like, he's, I think the highest we've had him is 7. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a couple jumps for him. And the biggest reason he jumped for me is because people fell. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the highest we've had him was 5. Uh, 1.0, Dave had him at 5, um, going to the Knicks. Um, so this is a one-spot jump from that. And it's not really his performance, because I love his performance. I thought he was fantastic in that game. Yeah. Uh, four or five from three, eight of 16 from the field, um, played well defensively. Um, I love the play that uh, he made. I don't like the replay, um, but you know, <laughs> that, that shot was long. He didn't chase after the ball. He tried to poke it out loose and stop transition. because His team didn't need the ball possession right there. Mm-hmm. They just needed... They just needed to, you know, force Texas Tech to take a worse shot than a, a right. transitional uh, layup or foul. Uh, they did follow him. Uh, it wasn't Hunter's fault, but Hunter made a great play just popping that ball loose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a very smart player. I think the Bulls need that. The Bulls don't really need a starter outside of point guard. Mm-hmm. I think their starting five is pretty set. Yeah. Uh, Levine, Porter, Markkinen, and uh, Wendell Carter. Um, I think that's a very, very good starting five, probably the best starting five out of anyone t- picking the top five. Um, I'd agree. I think the, the biggest thing they need is obviously point guard, and I think Hunter, he can just provide you more versatility. He could provide you a very good leader. He could provide you a very good glue guy. And I think he might not be, again, an eye-popping player, but he has ro- rose to occasion in big games. 
and he's very consistent. Um, he's not a guy that's just going to end his night, kind of like Zion. Zion is always consistent. He's always out there putting up consistent you know, numbers. He's always putting out consistent effort. And Hunter is the same way. Hunter's mm-hmm. always going to give you consistent effort and consistent m- minutes. And I think he's kind of similar to a Wendell Carter Jr. in the way, way as well. Uh, Wendell Carter had a very low floor, and I think uh, Hunter has a uh, very high floor. Um, and I think Hunter also has a very high floor. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the reason why I like Hunter there is just because wings are always necessary in the mm-hmm. NBA, and adding a guy at Hunter who is so consistent would be a very smart. Move. Should I have phrased it this way? Is he a lock in? A, is he a lock top five pick now because no. of what we saw? No, no, I still think it's situational, depending on you know the team's rising and falling. Because this is the first time we've had him in the top five recently. The three we all had him at seven, and then we had him all out of the top five in the four point oh too. Yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it depends a lot on the teams there. It's just you know, well, fit is one. Mm-hmm. I think fit goes into it a lot. As much as you want to say, take the best player available, his fit. And you are a fit be damned guy. I, you guys over exaggerate <laughs> shit sometimes, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit yeah. more later. Maybe made on the Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were keeping going. Were you no, saying no. about fit though? I, I was just saying, like, I think that it, it's entirely up to fit for DeAndre Hunter. Like, if you're a team who needs a wing who can shoot threes and play defense, which is nearly every team, yeah, unless you value you know potential special players like you know Jared culver's ability to be a ball secondary ball handler someone like uh maybe a bull bull mm. being you know that next unicorn up there there are a couple of those well, guys who could you know leapfrog him but outside of that like he is consistency just i think out. the biggest thing we didn't do too is compare uh hunter and culver because they're very similar both sophomores both guys who are Near six eight, I know mm-hmm. Culver is listed as six five, but that guy's bigger than six five. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both going to be two threes. Um, and I, I think that if we're comparing those two, Hunter is a better player than Culver, and that's why I went with. Uh, Do you think Hunter, Hunter can guard twos? I, I don't know about him being a two anymore. I think he's more of a three four in my mind. I could see him guarding twos. All right, he might be he's too just, slow. Yeah, but I, I, think I worry about the foot speed. That's all. Yeah, but I think he's still long enough. Okay. Where, you know, even if a guy gets by him, he could still contest shots. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the biggest strength. He's not going to be able to guard like a, you know, Kobe White or anything like that. Um, but if he's going up against a guy like Romeo Langford or if he's going up against Culver, uh, we obviously saw that. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think it depends on the size of the two. Um, okay. So I think he could be very flexible. If, if we're throwing out a lineup of Levine, let's say Levine plays the one, Hunter at the two, Porter at the three or whatever like that, I'd rather have Hunter guarding twos than... Out of Porter. Mm-hmm. Fair um, enough. So that that's my feelings. Um, any other thing about the Bulls? No, I think I think we, no. we we've given the people the Bulls love. Let's move to the Hawks. Culver for me, Hunter for Ricky, Hunter for Dave. Um, still same line thinking. We, we just said we can pair these guys. Yep. Uh, both two threes. Uh, both guys that can shoot from the outside. Uh, in different situations. Um, Culver needs to be more of a spot up shooter than uh, an actual pull up shooter. Um, but Culver does bring secondary ball handling. Um, I like him there. Um, Cam Reddish should probably be in consideration for the Hawks here because they do need a 2-3. But the biggest thing that sticks out for me for Culver over Reddish is I can look at him and I can say that's something I'm taking, at least from a basketball perspective. I don't know what Reddish is bringing outside of his body and outside of his potential. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to bring athleticism. He's going to bring that body. He's going to bring um, he's going to bring uh, potential. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't know what basketball skills he is bringing fully to the court that he's shown consistently through the past year at Duke. Um, he's obviously shown a lot in high school, and that's something that needs to be in, taken into consideration. But when we're looking strictly at college performance, he did not perform to the level that he should have, and he should not be 
in the top five. And Culver, yes, he had two bad games, and that's probably going to uh, leave a bad taste in people's mouth. But he is a guy that can be a secondary ball handler. And you don't really need that with Trey Young. But I think with his ability to shoot from the outside and his defensive ability um, to help Trey Young is the biggest reason why I pick him. And also Trey Young running off screens and having Culver lead, I don't think would be horrible. Yeah. Because uh, Trey Young can be so quick. And if you use him in like an Isaiah Thomas role, mm-hmm. that'd be fun to watch. Uh, I'd rather have Trey Young use the ball uh, with the ball in his hands because he's such a great passer and has great vision. Yeah. Um, but I think Culver brings exactly the kind of guard I would want next to Trey Young, and I think it's a perfect fit there for for the Hawks. Yeah, I think that uh, Jarrett would be a good fit, but he's just off the board for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ricky and I both saw mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter is the like, hey, we we want to be the Warriors. Let's go get somebody who can shoot threes yet again because they already did that with Kevin Herter. So I'm just going to tag in another wing who can shoot threes. This one plays a little bit better defense. I just think that uh, who made a shot where? No, oh, Tiger just could have. Uh, he he uh, Molinari went up one stroke. Uh, Tiger's still at uh, 11 under. Uh, he just like barely missed a birdie putt. It didn't break <laughs> enough. Sorry. It's all right. He's done for the day. He's at negative 11. All right. All right. Uh, but, you yeah, know, I, I just think it's it's a perfect fit for this Hawks team. It gives them yet another guy on the wing who can help them out going forward. And you're one step closer to uh, competing. They were a super fun team to end the year. Yeah, for this one, it was because I am the only one out of all of us that had both Hunter and Culver on the board. Um, because White going four. And for me, it's kind of like what Dave said. First off, the three point ability that Hunter did show, especially late in that championship game, could be appealing to the Hawks. And number two, I look at both the guard and small forward position. So if we look at the shooting guard, Baysmore and Herter. Herter's going to be your starter moving forward. Baysmore is that guy after 2019 is even on this team anymore. Um, whereas with small forward, you've got Torian Prince, who in two years is an RFA. I'm pretty sure he's going to be re-signed and is the future at the small forward. DeAndre Bembry could be walking. Could just be walking at, after two years. I think they like him. I, I think he's a guy they, who has like a a, he's, a good tool. They like he's him. like Chris Young or Chris Dunn. Like I don't think anyone's gonna be knocking but on the DeAndre Bembry door. If I know? can if I can draft DeAndre Hunter and then DeAndre Hunter could take Bembry's spot as the number two small forward behind Torian Prince, or in two years it then creates a hey who out of these guys. Maybe DeAndre Hunter plays up, and by that going into the third year, we're talking about him being, hey, he is now the starting three for the Hawks. So, this I mean, is a team that's probably not competing, so and bench then, guys are getting minutes. And then you mm, could probably worried, have yeah. a starting three of a future starting three of yeah. Trey Young at one, Herter at two, Hunter at three. The defense at two and three is like, oh, my God, give me that. Yeah. Like, and that's why I picked Hunter over Culver. No, I think they, they're, they're setting themselves up with a really good young core, and— I always want more wangs. Like that's just the the, the default oh, so answer. Many wings. Like if there was a, and I know we had all mocked like Jackson Hayes as the highest center mm-hmm. in this draft, but like he's not worth it at five. Yeah, it's just that that would be a reach, and everyone reminds there's just talent between. So well, and right now they also have a second pick. They it, and that's that's the other part. Mm-hmm. So I think that you go for a wing here, you add that depth, and you can kind of fill in those guys. I, I'm not ready to give up on anybody in that young group yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are not in the situation of having Culver and Hunter on the board at the same time. Who would you go with for the Hawks, though, if you did? If I had the choice, I would probably lean Jarrett Culver. Okay. I would lead Hunter, but Hunter's off my board. 
Mm. Um, I do like his defense better, and I think it, he, he'd be much better next to Trey Young. Yeah. Uh, just because I think he is a better three point shooter. I think that's the biggest thing that I want. I would want for that. Yeah. It's no. literally just spacing and and, and three and D monster. My only concern, and I think you covered this a little, was like Trey Young sometimes gets doubled and overwhelmed, and mm-hmm. no one else in that starting lineup could walk with the ball. Like no one else yeah. can dribble the ball and move forward. It's literally that hard to ask for. So I see Jarrett Culver's someone who can take some pressure off of him. So the teams can't just smother the ball out. Well, you know who would be a, a good fit for them? Whom? D. Rose. <laughs> Great fit. <laughs> I'm kidding. Impeccable. Uh, let's move now to uh, the Wizards at six. Uh, I have Brandon Clark, Ricky, you have Cam Reddish, and Davia you have Bol Bol. A, a lot of weird picks here. Because uh, <laughs> Bol Bol, again, we know my, my fit on him. Uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah not, he's amazing. I'm not, I'm not too high on him. Brandon Clark, for me, that's Triple probably shape. way too much of a reach. Yeah, you're, then, you're Brandon Swanson up in here. Yeah, and then Cam Reddish is a... Cam Reddish is a little bit of a, an enigma. So mm-hmm. let's start with Cam Reddish. Uh, clearly, he's been a guy that's been consistently in our top five. Uh, now outside of the top five, what was the biggest reason he fell for you? So the biggest reason he fell for me is, first off, the Bulls deciding to take Kobe White over a three. And then just the Hawks going with uh, DeAndre Hunter over the— because Cam Reddish, to me, I feel, I feel for the Cam Reddish supporters— that are in our comment section when they say he could be the biggest sleeper. Um, as Dave pulls up what I was looking at, the magic on top of the Raptors right now, 57-49. Love it. At halftime. Uh, but with uh Culver, not Culver, uh Reddish, the comment section, what I do feel is like when we get the comments that are like, oh, Cam Reddish could be the biggest sleeper in the draft. I kind of want to agree with them. I kind of want to say, like, hey, Cam Reddish is gonna be the guy we all rag on. Coming into this year, yeah, and then in like two or three years, we're like, "Hey, remember how much He's we hated Brown Cam Reddish?" Draft. Exactly. I have the same feeling. Like, I'm terrified of this. Remember kid. when we bashed Jalen Brown and no. said he was like garbage said, almost? No, we said he was years away from being a viable NBA. <laughs> but he player wasn't Bruno. He, he wasn't two body. years away from being two years away. Correct. He had NBA body, he had NBA athleticism, but we did not see the skill yes. set there yet. And obviously the Boston Celtics mm-hmm. knew they had something and built him up, and he is quite a good player. And the reason why I had this for the Wizards is there's already news that John Wall isn't sure he's going to play next year. Correct. So that's another year without John Just Wall. Take a point guard. And it's like, you know, like I thought about it. If Kobe White was there, I would have thought about it. I honestly um, But, I mean, with Reddish, because next year without John Wall might be a wash also, and you might be trying to tank for a higher draft pick, like it could just be a year of like, hey— you're going to play with Bradley Beal, and you're, this is just going to be a development year for you to kind of get ready and see what you can do. And then John Wall's first year back, we see how this team is. He starts to progress more. Maybe by that third, his third year, Wall's second year back from injury, Beal, I want to say that would be his contract, contract year. Here. That could be like the prime season for the Wizards because Beal might play out his contract year. Wall will be hopefully healthy off oh, of a Beal should already injury. have a super max at that point. Okay. Ideally. If the Wizards are smart. I mean, they did. Or if they're dumb. They're going to have. I've uh, yet to see a Supermax works out. They're going to have some front office change, which Dave might be Grunzo, excited about. Gone. But yeah, that's why I went reddish for the Wizards um, right here yeah. at what would this be, six? Yeah. yeah. I think, again, it, I don't want to bash in the pick in any way. I think that reddish is such an intriguing prospect mm-hmm. because he. Has everything you want in a prospect. You either love him or you hate him. Production, <laughs> except playing. We've never seen a well. top pick play this poor, shoot these poor percentages. Mm-hmm. But yet you watch him like playing defense. He's engaged. He's aggressive. 
Like him coming back in the tournament helped. Yeah. Like you watched that one game mm-hmm. difference. It was like, wow, yeah, he is on it. But even then, there's some there's points where like he's on it. But then you, even then, like he could be on it, and he's just not even like locking guys up. Like that yeah. was that was some of the previous uh, things that I saw before the, the tournament. Yeah, the uh, tournament really for me was yeah, a turning point. Was that? Uh, yeah, he, he definitely showed a lot of defense potential there. Um, but the defensive potential kind of always was there for him. It was just Six, never nine. <laughs> yeah, he just never yeah. he just never kind of consistently had it. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing that I just worry about with, with him is like uh, maybe he just doesn't like his confidence might be sh- like struck too much. And it's true. I believe if, it. If he goes to a place like Washington, will he have the ball in his hands enough? And, and that's a problem I think we had at Duke. Was that he didn't have the ball enough? Year one, Weirdly he will enough. though, because John Wall won't be playing. But I mean, like you're, you're putting him out there with Troy Brown Jr., who's last this past year's draft pick, mm-hmm. who only got playing time at the very end of the season, mm-hmm. had like two good performances. The rest were like, Bleh. but I don't know. I think that, that that team has a bad head coach, so the, the whole growing talent right now concerns me. Like you got to remember, John Wall and Bradley mm-hmm. Beal came in under a different regime. Uh, grew their talents, and there was a coach swap. And I think that I have concerns about how well they can continue to develop players. So Troy Brown basically sitting, you know, a majority of the year without getting legitimate minutes yeah. concerns me for a team that had no real chance of making the playoffs once John Wall got sat down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and this this whole organization has been a mess recently. Yeah. And uh, I made my no- feelings known about Scotty Brooks. Um, he should not be a coach in the NBA. Uh, Grunfeld getting fired is huge. It's a um, first step. But a big thing that is concerning me is that Scotty Brooks hasn't been fired yet. Um, and we've been in that firing season with Jaeger and Luke Walton and uh, Jamie could, Bickerstaff. Could, uh, and, and uh, Jaeger go over to Washington now? He could. I mean, he's an asshole, so. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm surprised. Like I, there was actually confirmed like reports that yeah. have come out and said he's kind of hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, and it's not too shocking. But uh, I think... The thing with Cam Reddish is I think he needs to be a place where he needs to grow a little bit more, and that's why I like him at the Pelicans because he'll be with Drew Howdy, who moves the mm-hmm. ball around. Anthony Davis will be gone, and he'll be getting a lot of shots. But I think Cam Reddish, like, at least for the Wizards, in theory, get a guy with potential. He has the most potential. I think it's a smart pick. Does that. he have the most potential? Because I think a bull bull has the most potential. Get into it. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> the man's seven feet plus with, with a damn near record-setting wingspan. And he is one of the best shooters we've seen, bar none, let alone the fact he's seven feet and can fucking sling it from the outside. It's a goddamn trebuchet. I love his stroke from the outside. And I get it. People are like, look how terrible he is at defense. And I, I, I think that's overblown. I think it's an overblown story because you look at the Ducks and their performance when he was there and the performance after he was gone. And you see the difference because they were playing basically a, a version of a zone defense mm-hmm. at a lot of the times. And a lot of the highlights of people kind of blowing past him, and I have to give credit to Reddit, I can't remember the guy's name, but they were like kind of dissecting a lot of the plays, and it's like, yeah, he covers him through his zone, and then there was clearly someone supposed to, this guy, I pick him name, up, pick him up, and didn't make the transition, didn't mm-hmm. make the switch. Like, yes, he's not elite on his feet. He doesn't have elite footwork, but he is something absolutely special, and I don't know that I could pass him up over Cam Reddish, where we've seen a lot of very good wings. How many guys have we seen at 7-2 who can shoot at 50-something percent from three from the outside in college. That'd be zero. He was 12 zero. 26. Zero. That's like saying, looking at D-Rose's first 25 it. games and saying, oh, D-Rose is a great three-point shooter. He was before he hurt his elbow. <laughs> he showed for 25 games at his, at his 10 plus year. Before he got hurt. That he was a good three-point shooter. Yes. I'm just saying it was a very small sample size for Bull Ball. I'm not going to say this. I don't disagree. 50, I think he's closer. Po- 
to a I think he's closer to a above league average. I think he's in that thirty six to forty one range. I think okay. he's seriously close to an elite three point shooter. Will he play thirty six to forty one games? Yes. In he his will, career. He will like, absolutely Sean, I I'm we're betting your hair, right? That was the deal? What? We're, we're betting your hair on uh Bull Bulls games. We did? Yeah. What Check was, out that video. What was my bet? Oh, fuck. I don't know. I know. It. You have the Knicks bet, too. <laughs> oh, we got the Knicks bet, too. You're so buying the... Uh, we actually have Eddie, a commenter. Eddie Curry jersey. But there was a commenter that gave a worse player than Eddie Curry. Who was that? Um, I'd have to look it up. Andrea Bargnani? No, not Bargnani. Um, I know he Bargnani. had a comment on it. Bargnani? Um, you said that wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, I know we got that comment, okay. too. Okay, but what was my bet with the Bobo thing? I think gonna you sh- shave You're going to shave your head because we wanted you to get to shave your eyebrows, and too, you and you would yeah. And, but if I said he would never play over 70 games in a... I forget what the count was. We'd but... have to go back and check. Okay. We'll do that. Because you think he's going to get injured. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the kid's going to play. I think he's special. I think the minutes will have to be uh, under a close watch. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he's going to be special. And that upside is so high that I don't think I could pass up on him for someone the, like Cameron. So special the, again, Dave. Special. The ceiling's <laughs> high. The floor is very low. Um, and that's the thing that concerns me. You take a stab in the dark, you're the fucking wizard. <laughs> well, man. that's why I think you take a stab in the dark at Brandon Clark. Um, no, that's not a stab in the dark. Yes, it that's is. That's a known player who is a old, stab but, in the dark but has established himself. I think the big thing about him is, is it too high? Mm-hmm. And I think that people are thinking that he has a very limited ceiling and a very kind of high floor. And I look at Brandon Clark, and I think that he might be able to be a little bit more than that. Because, yes, his size does concern me. He's like 6'9". Um, it might be 6'10 or around there. We don't have the official measurements yet, but he's yeah. around 6'8 uh, six, to 6'9 six, um, to 6'10. And I, I think that he might be seen as just a four that cannot shoot, which is fair. He does not you know, have a very great three-point record. Um, four, t- four or 15 uh, this year. It's nothing like Bobo. Yeah. Um, shooting 26%. Um, but he's a decent free throw percentage, uh, free throw shooter, uh, 109 to 57, this, 157 this year uh, at 69.4%. It's not bad for for a four, um, and if he's able to get that up to seventy five percent, I would really wonder about his three point shooting because his form's not off. Um, he's got a decent form for a shot, um, so if he's able to put a lot of work into that, I think that he might be able to become a, a stretch four. And even if he doesn't, defensively and just offensively, he is shown to be a possible monster. And you look at his disruptiveness when it comes to blocking shots; it is unmatched in this this this. Uh, uh, draft and i think the biggest thing for him is that he doesn't have those concerns about his movement and it's about his his athleticism and that's the biggest thing that i really love about brandon yeah. clark and he's got uh, a sweet spin move to the basket too coming mm-hmm. off from the top of the key so yeah that's kind of fun and he, i think he's gonna be a great runner to the rim too yeah and i think pairing that next to john wall and brandon uh and, and bradley beal would be a very nice pairing and yes they have thomas bryant uh who's played very well um at the five position he's already undersized as well but I don't think the size is too important in the NBA now. Um, you know, obviously, if you're like seven three and can shoot the three, that's huge. But Boom. We we have seen uh, a smaller NBA coming in and a, a lot of mix and blends of uh, fours and fives and threes and wings. Mm-hmm. And, and he's and got good that, enough speed, and mm-hmm. especially to keep up in transition. And he's got a very good vertical. Yep. Uh, that can that can make up for you know uh, you know his size, so he could have explosive enough to make up for that uh, discrepancy height wise. So I think Brian Clark would be a very nice fit there to be a shot blocking four. I like him. I just don't know how much more upside there is left to him that we haven't seen. Like mm-hmm. you said, the shot, can it get better potentially? Um, but to what extent? He's never really got to truly stretch out to the three-point line, except if he's like Brooke Lopez-esque. And it's just like when you're like, I'm going to just practice threes all summer and come in and just chuck up a shit I mean, ton. we saw it with Blake, too. I mean, Blake was later on in his career. Blake, but like, throw, yeah. Blake That's was a... known as dunker, 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 went to Detroit, and now shoots threes. He's not Blake, but I, mm-hmm. I see... 
<laughs> like a very the a very there. flat diet Pepsi version of Blake. Okay. I think that he's very he's just... very athletic, he's very fluid, and he's very very smooth. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that from Brandon Clark. I don't know if he'll ever be a ball handler like Blake is. I don't know if he'll have the mid range that that Blake has. Um, I don't think he'll ever be like a, a guy who dishes out five assists a game like Blake, Blake did this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll ever be that. But if you're looking at a guy who can be very smooth um, and, and attack the basket and also play better defense than Blake, I think Brandon Clark is your guy. Um, All right. I mean, that's why Blake went one and Brandon Clark's going six. Yeah. Uh, let's move to seven now. Pelicans, they, I, I haven't taken Cam Reddish. Ricky, you haven't gone Brandon Clark. And Dave, mm-hmm. you haven't gone Kobe White. Uh, why Kobe White here? Because I have him a little bit later. Why do you like him going to the Pelicans? I think it's perfect pairing next to Drew. I think that he comes in and is able to eat some minutes. I know we had the Alfred Payton April again. Like, joke's on. It's funny. Yeah, the five man, straight triple doubles. Yeah, su- super great. Games that don't matter. Like, that. That's he's king of the games that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to be good ever? Like, consistently? Probably not. So, I take Kobe White here. He can be a one or a two. I think he comes in off the bench, gives them good minutes, and is able to contribute to this team. I think well, he can't take that. Why not? Because I think he can take the starter role, but I think Alfred Payton, if, they, if he's back again... It kind of deserves a starting role again because he he did start to get hurt. To be fair, I would still put Kobe White next to Drew Holiday. I, I in my mind he's there already, but yeah. like I'm just benefit of the doubt is there. So, but no, I think it's it, the team needs a lot of things. So at this point, I'm just going with let's lock up that point guard position. Drew Holiday's under contract, so we're good there. Let's move forward as a franchise. You've been Please. a big you've been a big fan of Darius Garland. Why not Darius Garland here? Because I love the defensive idea of having to get by Kobe White and Drew Holiday. Like, those are two guards. Drew Holiday is obviously voted one of the most underrated players in the NBA, uh, yet again, because he's phenomenal defensively and has a good offensive game, above average, I'd say. Uh, but at the same time, Kobe White is another one of those guys who's a two way player, can drive to the hoop, can shoot from the outside. Um, and he can come in and doesn't have the pressure of leading a team, leading a bad team. He can come in and play with a guy like Drew, who is the leader, who's established. And, you know, I'm assuming the Anthony Davis, that's all folks thing will be situated by hopefully this point. Draft night. Uh, we'll see, though. If it's not, it's not. But the, that team has at least a brighter future by adding another stable point guard who I think is going to be kind of a uh, linchpin for this team going forward. Mm-hmm. Ricky, you have him going, Brian Clark. With me, first off, with the Pelicans just in general, um, was anyone else uh, super excited when they saw... David Griffin was going to be their new executive oh, VP. Yeah. Because I was like, holy shit, this franchise is going to get good um, again very soon. Yeah, with me, the decision was basically Brandon Clark or Jarrett Culver. And I could have had them go Culver because, like we talked about earlier, with Dave, you said, like, oh, he's, he's not a number one scorer. Correct. Wouldn't have to be. He got Drew Holiday. Um, the only thing with that is I just didn't – I wasn't super confident in it. And when I look at – the front court for the Pelicans, there's a lot of uncertainty for me because next year, for sure, these are the guys that I know are going to be there. Christian Wood, Julia Locafor. I don't oh, that's know. That's a club option. Yeah, even. exactly. I don't know if Julius Randle is going to be there. For nine mil, probably not. Like, for he'll, a lot more like, that, maybe. He'll exactly. probably decline it. And yes, the Pelicans might try to get him to stay. But who knows if he's like a boogie and goes to another team. I'm not saying he goes for what boogie went for, but another team signs him. Anthony Davis, he's played his last game as a Pelican. He is not 
going to be back next season. By the way, Alfred is an unrestricted free agent, Mm -hmm. so he may not even be there. So, I mean, like, I look at it, and it's like the only guy that is that played minutes this season of, like, good, consistent minutes, Jaleel Okafor. It's the only guy that I know for sure because I don't think they're going to pass on him at 1.7 mil for next year. Christian Wood played okay. He played okay, so he'll be there too. Um, but, I mean, that's why I go Brandon Clark because this team yeah. is going to need somebody. And what's going to help me in the future? Having a guy like Brandon Clark who can be kind of like a stable for me down low mm-hmm. or taking a Jarrett Culver where I already have Etwan Moore. I already have Solomon Hill. I already have um, Drew Holiday. Are they going to bring back Elton Payton? Or Alfred, Alfred Payton. We don't even know. So, I mean, that's why with me, I was looking at Brandon Clark and kind of went more BPA, you could say, mm-hmm. over a position that I think would be more of a need with uh, – or actually flip it. I went with more yeah, of a need say, than a BPA that would have been maybe Jarrett Culver. So flip that. Yeah, I was about to say, I think you do think Jarrett Culver's a better player. So mm-hmm. I don't well, BPA. Um, and we don't even know right now with Jarrett Culver where – like You've had he has a, top five, no 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 so. I'm just saying like we don't know there are now rumors that he may go back to school that'd be next stupid year. um with the Pelicans I already talked about this a little bit earlier mm-hmm. uh, Cam Reddish though I think that he needs the ball in his hands to be successful go to a team where you're going to have that opportunity and you're going to have that opportunity with Drew Howard yes he's the number one scoring option but also he's going to put up 18 points at the most mm-hmm. they're going to nah, need to if he's the only guy I can see him putting up like 22 again but I think if you're going to be Bringing back Julius Randle, if you give him a long-term deal, if uh, Cam Reddish is there, I think that he'll probably go back to an 18, you know, to 16 point per game player. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're getting guys to take shots, and I think Cam Reddish is going to be able to do that. Now, can he do that efficiently? I don't know, but I don't think the Pelicans are going to be aiming to be good. And I think that the Pelicans will be fine if Jared Culver, uh, if Cam Reddish takes his time developing, and that's why I think that yeah. would be the perfect place for him. There's this... not going to be a lot of pressure on him uh, media-wise. There's not going to be a lot of pre- pressure on him. Uh, at least basketball-wise, there's not going to be pressure for him to be a star right away, and I think it's a great place for him to grow. This year was the most points that Drew has averaged per game in New Orleans at 21.2, up from 19 last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he's more traditionally just going to be around 18. I mm-hmm. think that you know with uh, AD being gone, I think that's something you saw the most shots he's ever taken. Uh, Drew Holiday at 17.3. I think you're going to probably see consistently more of his career. He's probably going to regress back to that like 13 and a half a game uh, field goal attempts per game. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we're really going to see the 17 or 15. Even if he stays at 15 and, and is around 19 points, I think you're still going to need somebody else to to you know take the ball away from him at times and, and and you know bring the ball up and be a secondary ball handler. And I think that's the uh, at least the mold that Camerata should try to fit yeah. is a secondary ball handler at the two or the three. Um, and be able to be a guy who can put up points for this team. And I think mm-hmm. if he's going to be doing that, I think the Pelicans are probably the best spot for him in the top seven to do that at, maybe outside of the Knicks. But Knicks aren't going to do that if they have a number one pick. So uh, I like Cam Reddish a lot there for the Pelicans. I don't know if I like Cam Reddish, but I like the fit. I think that he's an intriguing enough player with that potential to go seven. Uh, let's move now to the Grizzlies. I have him going Darius Garland. You have him going Jarrett Culver, Ricky. And then Dave, you also have him going Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. Dave, we talked about this last time. I love this fit. I love yeah, this fit. It's a perfect fit. It's a fit. great fit. You add in one of the best scoring guards coming out of high school, and we only got to see him for a couple games in college, but still, you see he has 
something about his scoring game, all three levels hit. He's not afraid to pull the trigger on anything. He's got that confidence in himself. And I think going forward, him working along with Mike Connolly is a perfect pairing. Obviously, Mike Connolly probably not going to be there for the long term, but if you can get a year under him with Mike Connolly, I think that's the ideal mentor for him to grow up with. No, I mean, I'm going BPA. Like, there is... Culver has fallen in mind. This is where the fall stops. And the Grizzlies, like, yes, Garland is there. Yes, point guard is probably a bigger need for them because, like, Conley, yeah, could work this year, but who knows how long Mike Conley is there. Do they trade him after this year? Is he there at the end of his contract? Do they um, even re-sign him after next year? Because I'm assuming he's going to, yeah, he might take the player up. I don't know. Um, But after he's done, is he still going to be there? But I look at it in the shooting guards, Justin Holiday is not going to be there because mm-hmm. ever since we traded him to Memphis, he hasn't been the Justin Holiday that he was in Chicago. And then Avery Bradley, I think that Memphis fans might be sitting there going, I can't wait for this contract to be up. So Jared Culver could I mean, be there. They just got him. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's. They got him at the trade deadline. I think it's something where you can look at it and go, hey, you know what? He can be behind Avery Bradley for a year, and then Avery Bradley kind of goes his separate way, and Jared Culver becomes our starting um, shooting guard after his first year in the NBA and then works on becoming the starter for the Grizzlies. Yeah, Avery Bradley was low-key good for Memphis in those 14 games, mm-hmm. 46.3% from the field, 38.4% from three, 92% from the line, it's a completely four different assists, player. 16%, mm-hmm. 16 points per game. Uh, I don't know if they're really waiting for that contract to be up, too. It's not like they're going to be spending on it. I think the Parsons won for sure. Um, I think Culver's a good fit there. I think that's a, that's enough for the, the slide there. I don't think he's going to fall below eight. Um, but he's already off my board, and I think that Dave already hit on the points with Garland. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who's going to be scorer on that team. Yeah. Uh, Jaron Jackson, I think at his peak, will probably put up like 19 at the most. Um, I don't think he's going to be ever uh, a topping a 20-point-per-game uh, scorer. Um, I think he's going to be very yeah. good both defensively and offensively. Um, but I think that you look at Darius Garland, he can be a 25-point game per, per scorer. Oh, absolutely. If he's getting those shots, he's getting them uh, open looks because— his ability to shoot from deep, his ability to attack. He's got so great quick. handles, too. Yeah, and, and, and he's he's got great handles. It's, it's a great point. Um, his ability to penetrate and attack. Uh, size might be a worry, too, with him, but I yeah. think he's got more moves than, like, a Trey Young. I think he can take a little bit more damage uh, if he, when he's driving to the lane. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Trey Young's going to get, mur- like, Trey Young driving is going to get murdered. That's why he needs a floater. Um, <laughs> yeah. Darius Garland can go and attack the rim and, and lay some buckets in. So I think that Darius Garland would be a very nice fit. And if you have a great offensive player mm-hmm. in Darius Garland and you have a very good two-way player in, in Jaron Jackson, it's really a nice building block there uh, for Memphis. Hey, and hey. they just won the, 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 say, the coin flip too. So What about the wet boy? Joe or uh, Bruno? Obviously it's Bruno. I mean, Joe, Joe was a wet boy. I don't know. They have two. He's not. Dylan would... Brooks was also a wet boy, not Marshawn. <laughs> <laughs> I would put Bruno in that, you know, this this young core. Same with JV. Like, they've got, you know, the former Raptors crew, and then they've got Jaron Jackson Jr. now. DeLon Wright, too. DeLon Wright, triple-double out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, not super young, but still interesting player. Uh, and Darius Garland, player who basically they're like, do we want to lose this, you know, draft pick this year or not? Mm-hmm. That was the interesting thing. At the end, it seemed like they were winning games. Yeah. Well, and they're close, too. Um, they won a coin flip uh, with the Hawks. They would have been at nine if they didn't. They got the they won the coin flip. They're now at eight. Uh, so if they're eight or above, they will keep the pick. If not, it's going to go to the Celtics. Um, so this is a big pick for the Grizzlies too, because adding a guy like Darius Garland, I think, would be massive for this team. Uh, but having to wait another year, 
be very, very painful. Yeah. Uh, it turns into this frequency game. Like, who can you try to throw some money at to pull away? What can you do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but a good thing, too, if, if they lose the pick, they just take Jaron Jackson, who was the youngest player in the draft last year. So yep. uh, he's still going to be very young next year. He's going to be very young when it comes to the 2020 draft. Uh, but let's now move to the Hawks with their second pick. I have Jackson Hayes. Ricky, you have Bull Bull. Dave, you have Jackson Hayes. I think some people are wondering where's uh, uh, Daniel Gafford uh, for the center pick. Um, he's just older than Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes is very moldable, I think. Someone brought up the fact that Daniel Gafford has been playing basketball for less time than Jackson Hayes. Mm-hmm. But a thing that I just like is Jackson Hayes is very athletic, and I think that his full potential hasn't been reached because he wasn't playing with a lot of great guards. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing with uh, Kerwin Roach um, from Texas, and I think that Roach, I think he was the kid who was battling cancer. Um, one of the guys who was bat- on Texas was battling cancer. Um, and it was it was just a weird situation with, with Texas because they were really playing through their guards and they weren't really playing through their, their, their centers. Correct. They weren't really getting involved a ton. And I think that we just really didn't see the full potential of Jackson Hayes. Um, and you might look at the numbers and see, you know, Gafford has better numbers. But I think the thing with Hayes is that he is very athletic. He has a great body. And I think the potential there is is a lot to be untapped. And that's why I think the Hawks go with him. Defensively, he looks like he would be great next to John Collins. And the athleticism between those two would be absolutely massive. So I think you got to look at that. And Jackson Hayes being younger than Daniel Gafford and having more untapped potential, in my mind, uh, is a reason why the, the Hawks got It was Andrew here. Jones who had cancer. Mm. Kerwin Roach had a torn uh, meniscus gotcha. in 2018. Um, but, you know, I... I agree. And there's just something about his defensive instincts like that are already there. I think Daniel Gafford just doesn't have that. Like there's something Jackson Hayes knows and has a, like a sixth sense for when to swat. And yes, that can lead to some foul issues at times, but I just think that that defensive instinct pays off and if you can add to his offensive game like you said, maybe it's the supporting cast around him, maybe it's situational, but he's got a long way to grow as a player, which is exciting. And I think that his fit next to John Collins is ideal. Mm-hmm. Does it concern you that he, like, and this could be something where of the team he was on, does it concern you that Hayes was only grabbing five boards per game at the center position? Not really, because John Collins is an amazing rebounder. Yeah. Uh, the thing, too, with Jackson Hayes, I think his rebound percentages are actually great. Um, mm-hmm. That was one big concern. Oh, he's I also had. limited minutes. Like, if you look at his. Per yeah. game minutes. Yeah, 23 minutes per game. Yeah. His per 40 so. is about 8.6, which still isn't great. Um, but uh, a thing that I do like about him, and uh, this is a big thing I had a problem with Ju- uh, Justin Patton, uh, was that he wasn't a good rebounder coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you look at Hayes' offensive rebound percentage and defensive rebound percentage, they are still low. But when you're not consistently in there, I think that kind of takes back from him. Again, it's, it's untapped potential is the reason why I'm going with this here. Um, there are concerns, and, and mm-hmm. rebounding is definitely one of them, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. And for me, this is easy. Like, yes, I go center along with you guys, but I'm going to go with the center that can shoot some threes, and that's ball ball. Like, he's the one where next to John Collins, Collins can be down there, and then ball ball can be the guy who is with Trey Young, with uh, Herter. This team is going to want to push and go in transition Ball ball can do or ball ball can do that. And Andy DeAndre shoot, Hunter on your earlier. And DeAndre pick. Hunter. So yeah, he's a he's a matchup nightmare. Yeah, let's just shoot centers out the low post. Let's just shoot threes, man. Just shoot threes all day with this team, and that's how they're gonna win. Right. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting. I, I I don't know if I love the fit, but at the same time, I think that it's unique in it that he his potential. Again, it, it's hard to pass up. 
I wouldn't touch him in the top ten. Um, let's move down to T-Wolves. Made that pretty clear. We know. I know. Uh, move that with T-Wolves. Uh, I have him going Kobe White. Ricky, you have him going Jarius Garland. Dave, you have him going Brandon Clark. I love the Brandon Clark pit fit. I for think that. that that's a billion percent fit for me. We said it last time. Yep. Great, great, great fit. Um, he was He's Cat's new best friend. He was just off my board. Yeah, I understand, and that, that's tough for you. But for me, I'm like, Cat, your, your problems are being solved right away. We're we're, we're finally getting around. It shouldn't not right away. Your problems are getting solved by this kid coming up who absolutely loves defense, loves hustle, gives a ton of effort, is old enough so he's not like a rook coming in, you know? Mm-hmm. And he comes in and makes a huge difference to this team because he's the ultimate fit guy for what they need. Moving forward, Timberwolves have a brighter future because of him. The big question is, it's still not all of their problems addressed, but it's the biggest one because Cat is notoriously awful, lazy, and uh, does not practice defense, mm. uh, as Jimmy Butler said in the most yeah. recent uh, game of his own. So. Dude, game of his own. I want amazing. that. I want the Baker's son and the chicken. And the goat. Yeah, and the goat. Yeah, that was a great episode. Great. Sean, I didn't even watch it. it. Nope. Um, Jimmy Butler <laughs> practice was the first episode. How uh, about we end the Timberwolves? How about yeah. we end this process? Yeah. Puts on the headband. It was fantastic. <laughs> Sick. But uh, no, I think it's I think it's a great fit. Uh, Brent Clark, ton ton of talent. You know him going from a smaller school to a larger school and being able to maintain his scoring, continue to build as a player, really proved a lot. Because I wasn't sure when he made that transfer over how good he was going to be, mm-hmm. but. It, it, incredible. He was still an incredible player. He's probably top five player in college basketball at by the end of the year, I would say, uh, impact-wise. Like, I know Zion's at the very top, but mm-hmm. he's a very good player. Um, who uh, Game of Thrones, real quick. Um, I placed a bet on someone to win uh, the, the... Death Pole? The, thr- the, thr- no, oh, throne. the Throne. No, The Throne. I don't know who I picked. I forgot. Um, but it was definitely one that was uh, really bad. Uh, I want to I want to throw it out there. I'll, I'll throw it out there later. Uh, let's move, let's keep <laughs> so it with the John tools. Or um, I am going Kobe White. I think they need a card to help take uh, some offensive pressure off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got a problem with Jeff Teague? Yeah, he, he took he <laughs> yeah. took his option, so he's going to be on the team. Yeah. Um, and I think Teague off the bench would be interesting. I just see you see that the, the team was played better when D Rose is out there. I think Kobe White just being out there, he's quicker, he's better, he's not injured. Um, and he's going to be more of a consistent shooter from three. I think. Hopefully, that he doesn't look to take as many shots as Jeff T did. Because <laughs> no, that saying, was the killer. I'm saying he's going to be replacing D Rose. Oh. Uh, so he's going to be fixing oh, okay. what D Rose did. And he's going to be healthier. He's going to be shooting the ball more. He's going to dish in the ball more. Uh, and I That think, team was good with Derrick Rose. That's what I'm saying. So if D Rose leaves. You can't replace. Kobe White is not Derrick Rose. I'm saying if D Rose leaves, he's going to have to fill the ro- role of D Rose. But what Lemon Jr. is. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong, though, by saying that if D-Rose leaves, the next point guard in, as in Kobe White, will need to take his spot? You can't say take his spot because he can't. He will try to be a bench point guard for them. Why will he, why will he fail? What does what he have that D-Rose doesn't? Uh, I didn't say he's going to fail. Okay. I just said that You he, sound he very try. down on this T-Wolves pick for Kobe White. I just think that they're stuck with Jeff Teague and Kobe White. Yes, they want to make him yep. the next guy. One more year of Teague. Yeah, they're stuck with him. For yeah. this year, That's okay, but but what what's wrong with Kobe White on T Wolves? N- nothing. I just I hate when you get all aggressive about Derrick Rose. So I, I I felt the need to defend him and all his right. great and his year last I'm year. Ju- I'm he say- had a great year, and that's why I'm saying that if D Rose, honor. I'm saying if D Rose leaves, yes, Kobe White yep. will be the next point guard to take his spot. Yep. I just, taking his spot sounds so <laughs> dagger. Yeah, you're you're turning the knife a little bit. I'm reading too much into it, Sean. <laughs> yeah, you're just being a bitch. Um, 
But yeah, I think Kobe, I, I think Kobe White will be a I think Kobe White will be a scoring point guard who will try. I don't to think they need a scoring point guard. Floor. Why not? Because they already have Andrew Wiggins and Cat. And I know Andrew Wiggins is Andrew. the worst shooter in the NBA. Correct. Sure. There's a so literal video like that my explains how bad he is. Garland. No, 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 I'm just saying. Like, I don't think they need that. If if you want to make Andrew Wiggins work, he has to play the two, mm-hmm. and he has to take shots. Like, he provides no other value, so you're stuck with him for several years under contract. I think you're just stuck with him. I just don't think he has any value. Whether you try any, you could try anything with him. I just think he's so you play him exclusively bad. against the Oklahoma City Thunder. There you go. That's one of them. I think he's just. You, like you, that's the thing is you can't take him out of the starting lineup. Uh, you have to play him. I know that's he's why really I, bad. I think Kobe White's a good fit because I don't think Kobe White has to jack up shots to be a good team player because he was a good team player at UNC. Yeah, oh no, I, I think agree the with fit that. is good. I'm, I'm thinking though he's just going to come off the bench and you know D Rose put up eighteen. I don't think he'll put up eighteen, but I think he'll be able to put up like fifteen uh, or or maybe like fourteen. Like I, I think he's I'm looking at him being scorer. like a, a ten and five guy. Well, I think that this, but this is a Timberwolves team that does not play defense. So I think that they're going to have so many true, opportunities to score. Yeah, um, I don't think he's. I think he's. You know, he's he's a very mature scorer, and I think that yeah, he does will have stay? a ton of shots. What does does his fro stay? I does he keep so. growing it? I'd be pissed off if he doesn't. I'm just. Ah, uh, that's a great fro. Yeah, it's one of the best. It's be- best hair in this draft. It's better than Jared sure. Allen. I, I I know Jared Allen's was great. Spence Dinwiddie, same thing. I like the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. I wish I could mock him there just to keep Allen the fro group together. And Dinwiddie have too much. It's too preppy. Like it's too too clean. Yeah, it's too clean. I love Kobe White. Yeah. Just like Kobe White just d- hasn't gotten a haircut in four years, <laughs> and that's what I love about it. Um, it's 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 great. Uh, but yeah, Kobe White I think is is a, is a good fit there. Garland's an interesting one though. Yeah, that was just one where I was looking at it, and it's like in the past mock drafts. Let's see, four when we had the T Wolves, I had the Brandon Clark thing that Dave was going on with, but yeah. this time around I got Clark going a little bit higher. So. If I were to, let's say I flip things and I had the Pelicans go with Culver instead of Clark, then maybe the Grizzlies go, let's see, what did I have them Maybe a Darius Garland, and then you would have maybe Brian a Clark Dar- at the Timberwolves yep, like I did. Darius Garland, Ooh, and then exactly Bobo the Hawks, yeah. and then, yeah, Brandon Clark. So, I mean, the, no, basically fine. the Pelican they pick could use a scoring screwed guard. the T-Wolves. I mean, like Sean said, the year before... They had Jamal Crawford still playing, mm-hmm. and he was their scorer. Uh, whether that was right or wrong is not my choice, but yeah. that's what it was. Last year was Derrick Rose's show, so I agree. Like They have had a great scorer mm-hmm. off the bench in the past two years in a row, so to go for a young kid who can do the same thing, I don't mm-hmm. disagree. I just don't know that that's necessarily the way to get the best out of their starters long term. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I think the T-Wolves are just in a, such a bad spot with that contract of Andrew yeah, Wiggins. That's, and. It's the thing that's going to kill him. Would you they, give up a a, a top a, a tenth overall pick to move that contract? Like what? Ooh. Right. I mean, no. that I would sit on it. I would still. I would keep trying to build. I know it sucks, but like, there's got to be hope that he's going to turn a corner. Or there's got to be some way he's using the final year. Yeah, that's what I'm. Thinking. And he's just not. Like, Maybe. Yeah. I think there was some <laughs> something. He's like he's only good on the right side of the floor. Or something like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised Might to be see a, a shooting chart. No, uh, that's Bagley. Bagley's only good on the right yes. side of the floor. Well, yeah, we knew that coming out yeah, of yeah. college. Like, we made um, jokes about mm-hmm. that I'm during mi- the draft. I'm mixing up my videos, though. Um, but, yeah, like, eh, Wiggins is just hopeless. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll if, he, if he comes back and puts up, like, an efficient 20 next year, he's comeback player of the year. Without a doubt. <laughs> like, his, um, his scoring doesn't change at all. It's just efficiency went up. Yeah, yeah. Player of the year. Seriously. Um, but he's so inefficient, it's bad. Um, that's going to do it for the 1 through 10. Any final thoughts? That's fun. No, I 
Absolutely loved it. All right, but let's move into the next segment, and that's 11 through 20. We're going to try to hit every single team, at least give you some explanation on why these guys. That's what been one of the guys, your guys' complaints with these mock drafts is we uh, give the picks, but we don't talk about it fully. criticism. Yeah, so we're going to try to at least talk about some of these picks and why these teams will be doing it. Uh, so, Ricky, try it out. 11 through 20. Well, you know, the Lakers at 11. I have Tyler Hero, and the reason why I have Tyler Hero is because Usually I've had center here, but I'm thinking you need shooting to go with LeBron. Tyler Hero, there you are. Um, Then the Hornets at 12, Romeo Langford. It's mainly because I'm not reaching for a point guard here, even if I think Kemba's walking. And Romeo Langford, we need a two guard, best two guard, maybe BPA right here at 12. Then the Heat, Sekou. I've always loved Sekou's fit with the Heat the last couple of drafts. That's where I've kind of lined him up. Then probably the lowest I've had him, and I'll be honest, the coin flip made him fall in my mock because he was in the top 10 before coin flips. Um, Rui Hachimura going to the Celtics. The Celtics can take him at 14. All they need is wings, point guard, and a center with their four picks. So they go at Rui at All they need is 14. A yeah, but, well, they could basically. They already have so many guys on the roster. <laughs> That's what I'm looking. Center and point guard are needs, and then, hey, let's just take two wangs um, that we can get. Then the Pistons, Kevin Porter Jr. adding some shooting guard help um, and some scoring and maybe could turn into a number one scorer for them. Then the Magic going to Kale Alexander-Walker, adding some scoring at the guard position. Then the Nets, P.J. Washington, phenomenal tournament, wanted him to rise a little bit more but couldn't find a team that might have went after him with the uh, front courts that they have. So he'll go to the Nets that could use a power forward desperately. Then Keldon Johnson, to the Pacers, if he is here, then rumor is he would go back to school. Potentially, is what you're saying. There, there, there's some rumor out there if he doesn't get a lotto guarantee. Mm-hmm. I don't know how close on the lotto to you know just outside the lotto he is, but he yeah. is looking for that guarantee mm-hmm. pretty early. What Which, if? He, but I mean, what if you get a guarantee and you're still not picked? Like, well, then you're true. Screwed. I yeah. mean, uh-huh. guarantees that's, though. That's what that's you got to take the risk. Deals and we'll see. I, I think he's probably staying out regardless. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see him coming back, even though I think it would benefit him. But the Pacers, I'm just going BPA there with Keldon Johnson. Then the Spurs going with their – they're either going three or five. Here they'll go with the three. My boy Lewis King, quack, quack, Oregon Ducks. And then the Seas, the Celtics, they are going to go with Jackson Hayes, pick up their center at 20 via the Clippers. Nice. All right, Dave, 11 through 20. All right, at number 11, I do have the Lakers going with Cam Riders. This is basically just a pick because potential. He's still on the board. There's, but He's still on the board. He's like Brandon Ingram but two years later. Jesus. Um, no, <laughs> Brandon Ingram production. had so much more. Yeah, with labor production. Uh, Cam Radish has potential, but I, I've passed him over enough times. I thought it, I was going to be cruel and give him to the Timberwolves just as like an ironic joke. They're like, here, have another. Um, but I, I, I like, <laughs> another no. one. The Lakers, the Lakers actually could work with him, so I like the idea of Cam Radish on that team. Hornets, I'm going to Kale Alexander-Walker. He had an amazing time in the tournament. Absolutely loved his play. I think this team adds in another guard. Uh, he can go one or two, depending on the Kemba situation. And I think he can actually be a great one guard because they've got a lot of scoring talent at the two and the three. So I like his fit on that team. The Heat, Sekou Demboya, Workout Warriors. Like I, I, The one thing about Euro players when they come over to the U.S., a lot of it is conditioning. They've mm-hmm. been playing basically year-round, and they haven't had a chance to actually build up their bodies physically. Sekou Demboya is a guy with a body. But imagine how well he can get down. Like they do this whole like body fat camp, basically with the Heat. Their conditioning's amazing. I think that's a perfect fit for him. Goes in there and can build himself up. Celtics taking Kevin Porter Jr. 
kid's got, you know, incredible upside, but also is kind of a little bit of a knucklehead. So it's a risky pick. What? But again, when you watch his highlights, you're like, oh, this kid's like going to be a top five pick guarantee. Mm. And then you watch like his whole game. Like, where, where'd he go? Why is he not like, what, what is going on? Is this his, some of it's his choice. Some of it's his coach's choice to remove him from the system for Benny Boatwright, which is weird, but college coaches want to win college games. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving along. Pistons taking Romeo Langford. I really do like Luke Kennard, but I think Romeo Langford Kennard. adds additional depth at at the scoring guard position and can be a dangerous shooter at the NBA level. The Magic at 16 taking Tyler Hero. Again, looking for another shooting guard. Adding depth, this kid was a lights-out shooter in college. Came up pretty clutch for them. Uh, going to the next level, he'll definitely be the fill-in for Evan Fournier as he moves along. At number 17, Nets taking P.J. Washington. One of the best fours on the board can stretch it out. That second year in college really helped him out a ton. He went way up the board. So I love the fit here. He adds space, gives this Nets team, who already doing some special stuff, mm-hmm. another piece to move forward with. Pacers taking Rui Hachimura. I love this fit. I think he is the ideal guy to help this team out because if they roll him out as a small ball three or as a four off the bench, he can take the ball in his hands. He can drive to the hoop. Absolutely looks great for that system. Kaziak Paula going to the Spurs. Intriguing prospect. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he will be, but they've got time and they've got the right coach and the right coaching staff to help build him out because ball in his hands, he's an intriguing prospect. His shot's kind of questionable at times, but there's something about him where I think he's worth a stab at 19. Yeah, and they don't have a lot of wings on that team. I mean, outside of Rike. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And he's, his contract's going to be up, so yeah. you don't know what they're going to move or what pieces they're going to have to go with during free agency after this. And then at 20, the Celtics, I got them going Goga at a center. He's been absolutely fantastic as of late in international play. Looks aggressive around the hoop, and I like his rebounding game. So I'm looking forward to this. Looking forward to it. I'll jump in. Now 11, I have the Lakers taking my favorite player, Bull Bull, out of Oregon. Uh, What? Looking at it, I think that this team needs something... You could just stop there. It's the Lakers. They need something. Yeah. It's I don't like, know. I think he's 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 an interesting prospect. Yeah. And he might be injured. He might get injured again. He's he's gonna be at a higher injury risk, but he won't need to be a very high usage player. He will be a guy that will be playing off ball a lot. And when you're playing next to LeBron James, and if he has a seven three who can shoot from the outside, you're gonna be getting open looks from LeBron James and you're gonna have that extra length as well. Sean, what's my favorite play in NBA? Is it the trailing three? It is the trailing three. Because it's the trailing three. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and LeBron James runs that. fast breaks like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. So opportunities galore. And I just think it's kind of with the Cam Reddish thing. It's like he's got the most potential, so just yeah. take him. Yep. Uh, and that, that was that's my th- think, thinking with Bull Bull there for the Lakers. I don't know what, what's going on. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, the Hornets taking P.J. Washington. I think they need shooting. I don't really – I'm not too worried about Kemba leaving. I think he's going to stay. And I think that you need help – uh, shooting uh, from the wing position, Nick Batum really didn't provide that too much uh, in a at least a volume standard. I think he had a he had a bounce back year this year. He had a decent uh, year actually, yeah. but but it wasn't something that uh, not, was not up to his contract still. But yeah, that, can't really help that. I mean, he only scored nine point three points per game this year, uh, but he was shooting thirty eight percent from three. I think they need something more than that. If Batum's a bench player that can shoot thirty eight percent from three, that'd be nice. But I think you need a starter. 
in P.J. Washington who could shoot much more efficiently from the outside and do much more than just shoot from the outside. Uh, so I, I like the Hornets taking P.J. Washington there. I have the Heat going with Nikki Alexander-Walker. They're running Justice Winslow at the point, and Winslow was not consistent as a point. Um, Screw you, man. He, he wasn't was consistent. Great. He wasn't bad. He wasn't consistent. This is be- it's the best Justice Winslow we've seen to the date. Agreed, but he wasn't consistent. That's, that's what I'll say. Um, and I think that... You know, having Nikki Alexander-Walker, who isn't just a true one, he's more of a one-two, mm-hmm. would be a nice fit there. And Goran Dragic does have a player option that most likely he's going to accept, but next year he won't be yeah. uh, on the team. And I think Nikki Alexander-Walker kind of fits the mold of a Heat player. Uh, very uh, uh, smart. He's very... Um, he's smart. He's he long. fits a team pl- play. Yeah. He's long. Um, and, and I think he is very... He's not something wowing, but he's a good basketball player. And that's really... I mean, outside of white side... Uh, his athleticism and outside of Bam, uh, him being an athletic freak, they really don't have a lot of athletic freaks. And I think Nicky Allen kind of fits just the the mold of a Miami Heat player. I mean, I think James Johnson, but he's at the end of his career. That's true. Uh, then <coughs> 14, I have the uh, Celtics taking Sekou Demboya. Uh, they have so many options here. I think they're going to probably trade all three of these picks to get Anthony Davis. Um, but they're, if they're taking him, I think they'll go Sekou Demboya. They can take a shot, and I think Sekou Demboya is worth a top 10 pick. I think he does have that potential, um, but I think he'll probably be written off because he doesn't have that production overseas like a Luka Doncic, Chad, and I think that the conditioning will be something that will worry some teams. He'll need some time. The Celtics can give him time. Uh, at 15, I have the Pistons taking Romeo Langford. Uh, very similar to your saying, you know, Kennard was fine, um, but I think... He exploded at the end of the year, but that if we can get more of that next year... He can be a starting shooting guard. You still need scoring. Yeah. Like it's, that, that team struggled. And the thing with Romeo, too, is Romeo will not be a day one player. He won't yeah. be a day one starter, and I think he needs time to develop. And being next to a guy who showed so much development throughout his career in Blake Griffin might be a very good leadership uh, opportunity for Romeo yeah. Lankford. Um, I really like Lankford as a player, really do, but he needs uh, some development and, and, and some time. And I think the Pistons can provide that because Kennard might not be a long-term play for them. Blake Griffin might not be a long-term play for them because he's not, I think he's, what, three more years left in that contract? Yeah, it's um, pretty long-term in NBA terms these days. But, you know, Romeo Lankford is going to be like 22, 23 when yeah. that contract comes up. Um, and then looking at the Magic, I think Evan Fournier, his contract's coming up soon. They need shooting as well, just in general, just off the bench. Um, I think Tyler Harrow would be a good pick for them. At 17, I have the Nets going Rui Hachimura. Hachimura is a player that probably should go higher um, but there's no fit that really stands out here. And the Nets are a team that can sh- well, has have shown the ability to mold players and get the most out They're of these great. players. Yeah. And I think Hachimura does need that. His shot selection is not good. He's not a natural shooter. He's not a natural scorer. He is a very natural athlete, though. He's a very natural uh, attacker of the basket. And I think that's something that can uh, really help the uh, help the um, Nets. Um, one thing that I think they don't have is a, a big that can attack the bucket. Um, Jared Allen kind of can, uh, but I think Hachimura can provide some big offensive uh, production for them. A lot of their production does come from Karis LeVert, Spencer Didwitty, and D'Angelo Russell. Hachimura can bring some bigger offensive uh, um, production for them. Uh, then going to the Pacers, I have Nasir Little going. Um, clearly a highly ranked high school prospect but has not been able to put it all together. Had some good games in the tournament, had a good game against Iona, um, but nothing consistent. And I think that the Pacers do get the most out of their players, and just the body that he has, the potential he has, I think it's something the Pacers really can't pass up. Um, Boyan might be gone. He might be you know, asking for too much, and Nasir Little might be able to step in uh, once he's fully developed to, to be that next three for them. 
Then going to the Spurs at 19, I have Kevin Porter Jr. going. Again, the potential is too much there. I know they have a lot of guards. Uh, Derek White there, uh, DeJounte Murray coming back. Um, but they still need a scorer at that position. Uh, Derek White kind of showed flashes there, but I don't think he's going to be ever like a 15-point-per-game scorer. Um, I think Kevin Porter Jr. can be that. I think he could be the offensive uh, help to a DeJounte Murray. Do you and think Lonnie Walker, where, where do you see him in this team moving forward? Because we only got like a handful of minutes out of him at the end of the mm-hmm. year. But yeah, he I, was I injured, know. played in the G League a little bit. Do you see him being uh, one of the guys who, like, two years from now is one of their main scorers, or do you think that he's more of a role player on this team? I know I it's, like, it's so early to call. Yeah, That's the problem. I liked him a lot coming out. Yeah. And then he just kind of left the site, and it's not like I've been missing him, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know exactly what to get from Alani yeah. Walker. And. I think Kevin Porter Jr. could be in a very similar mold to Lonnie Walker, so that could be a reason why you don't take him. But they're still losing, possibly, Rudy Gay this year. And I think they need to get a lot of offensive help. And I think a big thing is clearly Pop doesn't like shooting from the outside. Uh, and he doesn't like you know using modern-day NBA styles. Um, and I think that Kevin Porter, if he hits... like I think, I think what it is is pretty much... Him and Lonnie Walker and Kevin Porter are very similar players. Both of them won't hit, though. Okay. Do you think? And if you one of them ping hits, pong balls, let's make one of them work. And yeah. We'll lock down the position. I, I wasn't. I was high on Lonnie Walker because I think he had potential. Um, he showed a lot of great stuff in the second half of his Miami career. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Porter showed a lot of great stuff in his first half of his USC career. Yeah. Um, I just think that both guys need some time. Lonnie Walker obviously showed that as he wasn't called up from the G League right away. Um, I think both guys are just working project, projects and they both might not hit. Um, but I think Kevin Porter, at least potential-wise, is too much to pass up there. And then finally, 20, the Celtics taking Kelton Johnson Jr. Uh, Kelton Johnson, not Jr. Uh, Kelton Johnson. Uh, they're going to be losing possibly uh, Terry Rozier, possibly Kyrie Irving. Um, who else are they possibly losing? Marcus Morris. Um, and I think they're going to need at least with Rozier and Kyrie possibly leaving, they're going to need some guard help. Um, and losing Avery Bradley has hurt them, and I think that he might be able to fit a very similar role to what Avery Bradley was on this team, uh, a defensive guy, a uh, defensive guard who can shoot from the outside. Um, Kelton Johnson, we had him higher, and he's taken a fall just because he wasn't really consistent in Kentucky. That's kind of a flip of Tyler Harrow. Tyler Harrow was just hot late, and yeah. that's why he rose. And, and, and Kelton, Kelton Johnson. cold late. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean— we can probably see a balancing act between him and Harrow yep. where you know they flip or they end up coming you know near each other. Uh, but I think Kelton Johnson, um, I was worried about his consistency. I'm worried about what his true scoring nature would be in the NBA. Would he be a guy that just shoots from the outside or not? So uh, that's our 11 through 20. Uh, let's jump into some of these guys. Kelton Johnson is one of those guys that we wanted to talk about. Uh, let's talk about him getting cold. Ricky, we'll go to you because it's been a while since you talked. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know also what you think of this, this style. Um, it, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, at least the way we did this, just because... My only thing, and this is just live on the podcast, is um, I do like the... Because it's fair to every team, where it's like, yeah. hey, this is why I did it, hey, this is why I did it. We just don't want this to go way too long before we yeah, get Yeah, that's the thing, we're at 20 minutes. Yeah. So, I feel like... I feel like it also took you out of the conversation, too. Like, you, oh, know, you, I, you started, and, and for, then, you know, it's been 20 minutes. To just for talk. next time, I feel like it would just be like... I go through mine. This is why. This is why. This is why. Dave. This is why. This is why. This is why. Sean. This is why. This is why. This is why. That's what we would do for. But hey, trying new things out. We mm-hmm. adapt. Hey, we might even change things for next year. So it's like we're always adapting. We're always changing. 
We want the best product out there. Yeah, what do you think about Kelvin Johnson? With me, Kelvin Johnson, I honestly, he was one of the biggest questions for me because he fell so much for me. And I don't know. Here's the thing I hate, and I do, but I hate it, is you look at the tournament and a guy plays bad. You go, oh, he'll fall. But then immediately I go, look at the whole year. Like, March is not a, like, this is what this player is. You got to look at the entire year. And, of course, guys grow, but it's like you have, like, Jared Culver, he had a bad two games. Is that making him a bad player? No. For me, he's potentially still a top five pick. Yes, did he fall out of my top five? Yes, but it had nothing to do with just those two games. Keldon Johnson, I think, is the same way, where I hate that I'm doing it, but because of how he played late, it's affecting where he's going to go. Plus, it doesn't help that a guy like Rui falls in my mock draft, because if a guy like Rui falls, that means a guy like Keldon Johnson is also going to fall in a mock draft. I don't know if that's the same for everybody, because you see, just to get mm-hmm. this right, you see Rui as a three, and you see Keldon as a two. I so, could, like, so I see Rui as more of a three, but I could see how people see him as a four. Okay. Okay. I, just, I understand it, yeah. but I think that with his skills, I would have him more at the three. He's a three that has maybe some four height or size to him. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, for me, I think Kelton Johnson, you said it You said it earlier, Sean, wildly inconsistent games. Um, he goes from, of course, he can light up Albany Christian. Like, no one cares about that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. him. But at the same time, you look at the last three games, Wofford, Houston, Auburn, disappointing performances in all three of them not awful but just kind of disappointing and i think that's the thing is he was even subbed out of that auburn game um at at a couple of key key moments because he did play 38 minutes of the game but there were several moments during that and houston's game where it was like houston especially i think was one in my memory where he was like dude you are hurting your team right now you need to be off the floor Mm -hmm. just stupid mistakes and he's a player who absolutely has defensive aggression he wants to go out there he wants to do the best he can and i think he does shine better as a defender but from a scoring standpoint he do, he's not a great decision maker with his shots right now and he needs to understand when he gets cold to not keep checking up shots uh i think part of the problem was the point guard play was toss up so i think in the nba if he's a if he's just a guy and he can go out there and defend and shoot threes he can kind of fall into like maybe i don't want to compliment kcp but in a similar role, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that could work out well for him. I think him being a, a smaller role and not having to carry an offensive load works really well for him. That's mm-hmm. why I like the Avery Bradley thing. Yeah, especially Avery Bradley going also to works really well too. Um, just because they lost that player and they really haven't gotten it back. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Smart, great defender, but he's not really his great. His three-point shot got better. Yeah, but I mean, historically, he's got not a great better. three-point shooter. <laughs> um, and I think that's one thing that they've kind of lost since Avery Bradley you know, left was, yeah. was that ability to have a 3 and D player. And I think Kelton Johnson can bring that, but can he be anything more than that? Not really. I think that's why he, he, he went down. I think at his peak potential, he showed that he might be something more than that. And that's why he was like at 10. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, maybe he can even take a, more, a larger step up if he's on a different team. Um, but I don't think that's really true now. I what happens if he goes back? Let's say the, what the rumors say... He's not a guaranteed lottery pick. He goes back to Kentucky. What happens to Kelvin Johnson in your mind? It helped P.J. Washington. Yeah. I mean, P.J. Washington was not a first-rounder in our mind last year, and he went back, and now he's a, now he's 12. Which board. is weird for a Calipari school. Yeah. Usually yeah. they come out, and they declare, and they go. Mm-hmm. And they I, don't think about coming back. I think I think Kelvin, it would definitely help him because um, he might get a larger role on that Kentucky team and show mm-hmm. what he tr- truly do. Because if he thinks he's a lottery pick and he's not getting that, I think that would be smart for him. Um 
I don't think Gafford did that because I don't think Gafford said he wanted a lottery thing or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I think it'd be similar to that situation where Gafford was mocked in our lottery last year and then he pulled out. Um, or like an Ivan Rob. Uh, Rob did that and that didn't work out for him. Um, so it, it's definitely a risky pick, but it has shown out. P.J. Washington was one of those guys. Um, so I think that it would probably be in his best interest to go back. Um, yeah, but obviously you're always risking the the injury of uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the possibility of injury. So um, if he does go back, I wouldn't blame him. I'll, I'll put it that way. I think he'll have actually a better cast potentially next year too. Mm-hmm. Recru- recruiting depending. Like I think that he could shine a little bit better. So I agree. He needs to work on his game. He needs to be more consistent with his scoring. He's not a bad player by any means. But I think that next year he could get himself into that uh, probably, you know, at least guarantee himself a lottery pick. Yeah, I think he just needs to show more of, a, of an ability to be a ball handler. Um, I think that's the one thing that I, I feel like he's kind of lacking his ability mm-hmm. to be a ball handler. And I think that's one thing that Jared Culver does provide. And he could be, you know, similar to Jared Culver, where, you know, Culver came in, he played great, he played great defense, uh, you know, was a great ball handler. Um, and that's why he shot up. And Jared Culver was not in our first round last year. And that was because that was a, such a loaded draft. But he was not like in our, on our radar to be a, a first round pick in, in any sense of the way. And uh, I, I think that if if Kelton Johnson's able to go back and show that he can run an offense, you know, briefly, mm-hmm. um, show it every now and then in, in a couple games, I think that'd be huge for uh, for Kelton Stock. But uh, right now, I think I think on going back is definitely on the table for Kelton Johnson. I think it should be. Because I mean, I'm even looking here, and two of the big guys. That Kentucky is looking to add next year is um, Maxi, who's the um, top recruit out of Texas, ninth overall. Yep. Um, he's going to be combo guard, going to be there. And then, although he hasn't signed, it looks like Khalil um, Whitney, Whitney, no Whitney, um, the small forward on New Jersey, who is the seventh overall, top position, top in New Jersey. They're going to add them as well. Maybe might clash with Kelvin Johnson, but might not be the worst thing for him. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. I think he could. I think he could have a good combine though. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of those ones. If he he's athletic enough, I don't know if he has the athleticism back up. Yeah, but the five on five could prove something out there. Yeah, and maybe maybe he does have just like a really great you know vertical leap, and maybe he does have a yeah. great speed. Uh, maybe it was just something where he was just not showing it for some reason at Kentucky. Um, I mean, we've hit, again weird guys show up in the mm-hmm. combine. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, let's move now to uh, the Heat. Heat are an interesting team for me. I have Nikki Alexander-Walker going. You both have Seku going. Um, why Seku to the Heat? Well, why do you guys like that pick? It's a perfect place for him to mold into, like, an uber-athletic wing. Like, that's that's my mind. He's already got, like, great wingspan, great size. If you get him down to being, like, a yoked-up version of himself, that's yeah. exactly what you want because his shot will continue to grow. You've seen Miami develop shooters over time i think that they're finding their way with using justice as a point which opens up the four because basically you've just got james johnson or you're with a smaller lineup or the weird like kelly o bam combo that they did towards Mm -hmm. the end Mm -hmm. i didn't really love all of those ideas but i think that he could come in not going to be an immediate impact player but he's someone who will grow and it's absolutely like he's got all the right tools the question is Who's, who can take him and p- develop him as a player? And Miami is th- one of my top well, teams for that. They can take the swing because you think about it, without him, they were a fringe playoff team. So even if they add him and he's takes this year to kind of develop, I don't think it's going to hurt the Heat with what their goal is. Like this team with Seku in kind of like a very minor role, 
could still be a team that challenges for the 6th, 7th, 8th spot in the East. Why not get a player like Nicky Alexander-Walker who can come in and help your team make the playoffs? Zaku might not. Nicky Al can't. It's all about that ceiling. Like, where do you see the ceiling for Walker compared to Demboya? And Starting I feel, I feel like in some minds, like, of course, there's always the kind of now everyone doesn't know what to think about international players because we all thought we knew what it was last year. And Luca just broke the glass ceiling. It was like, hey, but, but, dude, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Um. So now everyone's probably going to overreact and go, oh, we can take it. Like, look what happened with Luca. Now everyone's going to like kind of see. It's a oh, backlash. I get it. Everyone's not Luca Doncic. Overcorrect. Back so and I forth. mean. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit of that, but I just I think that the Heat are in a situation, <laughs> bless you, um, where they could take a guy like Seku and not have to worry if it takes him a year or two to kind of develop. And they've got a consistently solid coach of Spolster where I'm not expecting him to go anywhere anytime soon. No. I mean, unless they miss the playoffs again, but I mean, he's not getting a ton of help. Mm-hmm. At least uh, uh, talent-wise. I think Pat Riley understands the situation. I think you got us. In. For me, I had Nikhil off the board already. Uh, mm-hmm. But for me, I'm if I'm the Heat, I'm swinging for the highest thing because you don't have that 2021 pick. That's true. So, And you're kind of loaded up on contracts. Like Deion Waiters is through 2020. Uh, Josh Richardson, you gave him that long-term deal. Great deal, mm-hmm. potentially, at you know 9 mil, 10, 10, and an 11 player op. Justice, you've got locked up. James Johnson's got a 16 mil player op in 2020 still. Like, I'm not even going to talk about the Hassan Whiteside coming up player option yeah. shenanigans. Is, is he going to leave for less money? Um, but like, you're sort of in a position where you're stuck on a lot of these like middle contracts. And I think that they, if they want to make a change of pace, they can trade off some of those guys because they're valuable pieces. It's just for the money you're paying them, you're not going to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. So I think you go for the guy with a ton of upside in Seku, where if he develops. You're absolutely just loving that pick, and you're locked in with him, Justice, Josh, and that, and Bam, and that's your young core. Do you feel he has the most potential? Left on the board right now? Yes. Let me double-check uh, and scroll down. Kevin Porter would be in that. Romeo Lankford would be in that conversation, I think. Hachimura would be in that conversation, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, Ruiz is the weird one because he's older, but he didn't start playing basketball until recently, so I kind of... Not everyone's Pascal Siakam, but I kind of have that hope in the back of my head now. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Pascal, for screwing up <laughs> my expectations. Uh, I think he's up there. I think he absolutely is. Yeah, I'll say he is. Everybody, everybody below Seiko Demboy on my board, minus Kevin Porter. I changed my mind. Kevin mm-hmm. Porter. Kevin Porter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but why? Why not Kevin Porter then? Going to the uh, they already have a, a fairly loaded like Dion Waiters plus ja, plus uh, Josh, Richardson. Josh Richardson. I think is their uh, two position pretty much locked up two three combo. So I'm good with that. I I, I like Kevin Porter, but I just he does not seem like someone who would get in line at uh, underneath the Heat and their coaching staff and their front office. Mm-hmm. That would be my concern. Like I could see him being like, oh, you're telling me I have to get in line or else? I'll choose or else. And they're like, enjoy the bench, kid. Yeah, let's talk about Nicky Alexander-Walker here. Uh, we're going to talk about him uh, separately, but let's just do it because uh, he's, he's on the Heat right now, mm-hmm. uh, at least going to me. Um, I think he's uh, a very <laughs> underrated player. I think people look at the point guards and they think they probably drops off after Kobe White. Um, don't sleep on him. He's six six, mm-hmm. uh, cousin of Shea. Um, Wouldn't it be great if they could have, if the Clippers could have gotten Nikhil and Shea to play together? It's too big though, you know. You got two Alexander Walkers on that team. That would have been great. No, because one's Gilgis. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. One's Gilgis Alexander, and the other one's Alexander Walker. Walker. Yeah. Um, Still super awesome. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to see the cousins play together. Yep. Um, we saw it with Team I could convince though it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> I just think that Alexander Walker is a guy that you, you really shouldn't be sleeping on. I think people were overhyping Shea a little bit last year. Um, but he had a great year in the NBA. And I think oh, he that, did. I think that cements Nikhil. I was like, well, if he can well, do it. What I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to say is I think people were like, we, when people are like, oh, this guy's a sleeper, yeah. you know? Like, Shea Gill just was the sleeper last year. He wasn't really a sleeper. No. Um, and I think people with Nicky L, they're kind of overlooking him a bit, or maybe, you know, not paying enough attention to him, where he is actually a sleeper. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, I don't think Shea was overrated. Um, but I think we were all confused by the Jerome Robinson pick more than I Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a fucking reach. Um, but yeah, I think looking at Alexander Walker... Big guard, can play the one on the two, can shoot, can play defense, can do everything you need yeah. uh, from, from a guard. And I think he, he can be a guy who, with the heat, where they do want to play kind of Swiss Army-like with Winslow at the one. They'll obviously have Goron. They'll have waiters out there. They'll have a lot of different looks. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki Alexander-Walker just fits that mold. So uh, you guys have him going to the Magic. Uh, you, Ricky, you have him going to the Magic. And then uh, Dave, you have him going to the Hornets. Uh, why do you like those two teams? For me, it's just I've always... Looked for the Hornets in the last few mock drafts. I've had them go with more so the best two guard off the board. And for me, that's Alexander Walker. So it's like one of those things where, I mean, point guard could be. I mean, DJ Augustine playing out right now in a playoff game. He got him going to the Magic. Um, But, I mean, it's just like Evan Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross, your guys right now, is Terrence (coughs) Ross going to get re-signed to me back next year? I can then have Nikhail Alexander and then have him under 48. And then if 48 doesn't take his 17 mil or he's done after mm-hmm. 2021 with us, I can then segue Nikhail into our starting lineup. Yeah, and Dave, we wanted to talk about the Hornets in this one, so just jump it off with the Nikhail Alexander-Walker talk. Why does he fit with the Hornets? Because uh, y'all need a guard. Like <laughs> You've got Tony Park, who's like basically... Old thirty nine going into next year, I think. Thirty eight, sure, he's like sixty. He's old. Uh, I don't know if he'll actually play next year. He, he did pretty well uh, in limited minutes. Um, and then Devontae Grammar. Those those are two point guards under 37. contract. All right. And then at the two, you've got Lamb, Monk, and using Dwayne Bank in there this year. I think that adding Walker adds a ton of versatility and gives you that uh oh plan in case Kemba leaves. And you don't want to go out and free like I would still suggest going in free agency looking for somebody, but I think Nikhail can soak a lot of minutes and is an absolute fantastic fit for this team because they've got some intriguing young prospects and they've been slowly rebuilding under the guise of terrible centers. So I'll be curious to see uh, his fit on that team. I think it could be really positive. Ricky, you have him going uh, with Romeo Langford. Why do you like that fit for the Hornets? I mean, for me, it's one of those things where at first I kind of wanted to. If Darius Garland would have slipped a little bit more, um, he would have been the pick there. Obviously, the Hornets are in a tricky situation at 12 because if you feel Kemba is not coming back, you might be sitting there going, man, I wish a point guard was here um, that we were able to kind of grab up. But, I mean, I'm just taking right there the best guard off the board. And for me, that's Romeo Lang. It was either Romeo Langford or Kevin Porter Jr., and I just I feel like I'm more confident in Romeo Langford because of what Dave said about Porter Jr. earlier in the year of like he's really good and then it's like oh wh- where'd he go like what in everything that's happened with 
Kevin Porter Jr., I don't know if he is going to be what we all think he can be or if it's just going to be he's a good NBA player or if it's the la- or if it's the very last option he's not anything close to where we think he can be. So he's just taking the best guard off the board, and that's Romeo. Yeah, I, I love Romeo. I hope he does well in the NBA. Um, I just wonder about his fit with the Hornets just because they have Monk. I expected um, a little bit more out of him, though, out of Indiana. But, I mean, that's we've said that all year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, though, is just like, I think it's a little bit weird of a fit because they do have some mm-hmm. two guards I think are intriguing, uh, especially Monk, just not getting the minutes out there. Um, well, has, he's he's wildly inconsistent. I mean, yeah. that kid, he needs more time. And that's someone well, who that's I the was thing with so Romeo is like he's inconsistent yeah. and he needs more time too. Yep. So you're having two two guards there that you know kind of play similar too. Yeah. Uh, both scoring. But Monk's guards, got so. a better three right now. So yeah, uh, I mean, great free throw shooter, eighty eight percent. But yeah, Romeo is a kid that I think he, he has star potential, uh, just like Monk did. But it's like, would you want to double up in that in the past three years? Um, but hey, I, I think if you're think he's got the most potential, definitely go with him. Uh, I have him going PJ Washington. We t- mentioned him a little bit already. Um, I just absolutely love him. I think he's a, a, a very good three, possibly even a stretch four. Um, and they don't really have that kind of maybe Marvin Williams esque. Uh, Marvin Williams is like one of the best shooters from like the corner or something like that. Yeah, he's just he like forty six percent from uh, the corner. Um, P.J. Washington, I think, can be a guy that, you know, might fit more like a younger Marvin Williams. Um, Both came from Blue Bloods. Marvin Williams was the second overall pick uh, back in 2006. But I think looking at P.J., he can put the ball on the floor. He can, you know, use his mid-range game a little bit. He is a good shooter from the outside. Uh, The foot might be a little bit of a worry. Um, he had to miss some time in the NCAA tournament, but it wasn't like a break or anything like that, so that's not too bad. And he does play good defense, so I think the Hornets do need that. They don't really have a great three. We already talked about Batum and his bad contract. Uh, they need a 3-4 that really brings up that team. They don't have a center, which is definitely going to be something they need to address as well. What are you talking about? Um, You're saying Bismack Biombo, Cody Zeller, Hernan Gomez, Frank Kaminsky aren't a center? Hernan Gomez is interesting. Yeah. That's it. He's only 1.6 mil. Yeah, that's Bargain. it. Um, but uh, outside of that, I think P.J. Washington would be a really good fit on the Hornets. Um, but let us know what you want, uh, uh, Hornets fans out there. Let us know what yeah. you think uh, you need on this team, uh, especially yep. with the uh, whole Kemba situation. But let's move now to the Lakers. Uh, final team we're talking about. Uh, Ricky, you want to talk about Tyler? We want to talk about Tyler Harrow, mm-hmm. uh, but you also want to talk about the Lakers in general. So let's start with the Lakers. Magic Johnson leaving uh, out of nowhere. Um, they fire the whole coaching staff. Luke Walton now going to be the Kings head coach. What should be the Lakers' plan? Going into this draft. Well, for me, the whole thing up until now is just, oh, we're going to get free agents and go ahead and take a center. And the thing I kept thinking was, if you're taking a center here with the Lakers, are you really capitalizing off of what you could do for LeBron James? Because if you go and get Anthony Davis, you're going to give up some of that young core anyways. Um, And for me, I just I sat there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something different for the Lakers here at 11. Because, like, for both of you guys, Bull Bull and Jackson Hayes are off the board. Jackson Hayes was still on the board for me. But I'm like, screw it. They're not going to go with the center. I looked at Tyler Hero. I looked at Romeo Lankford. I looked at Kevin Porter Jr. Those were mainly the three guys. And I think I tagged um, Alexander Walker on the end of it as well. And I said, who gives me the best shot from beyond the arc? And I looked at the true shooting, the three-point, the just everything overall. And Tyler Hero would be the best 
position because it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. We're going to add a guy who can be shooting, who can score. Is he going to do it right away day one? No. But if he takes a year and then in year two with LeBron can be that shooter <coughs> off the bench for them, I know that we were really high on um, Mikhail Luke in the summer league because of what he showed. I know that this season we kind of didn't talk about him after that. Didn't quite pass uh, for him. But I mean, Enjoy Tyler Detroit. Hero for me, like what I saw in the tournament, shooting. And that's what LeBron needs. He needs shooters around him. Why not draft a young shooter in Tyler Hero? You know what he needs more than shooters around him? Someone to trade away. Shooters. A pick to trade. I say, Cam Reddish getting traded away. That That's exactly what I have. Well, that's what, another thing, happen. too, is mm-hmm. Bobo. Bobo would have some intriguing trade value, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know That's, exactly I mean, what he mo- would be, but... Yeah. I made it, the majority of my pick based around who has the most value left on the board. So someone's so trading and then taking him. Cam Reddish. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that you're taking Cam Reddish with the assumption that he will be traded at a later date for a player. So, I don't know. That, that might be mean, but, like, that's just... I mean, I, it's honest, though. My assumption of the Lakers' plan moving forward mm-hmm. is probably not going to be using Cam Reddish uh, for themselves, but to get done what they need to get done. Yeah, I, I think that with the situation they're in, if they're going to go after Anthony Davis, they're going to need this pick. And... Hopefully, they're, for their sakes, they'll, they'll move up the lottery. Um, I don't know if that's exactly going to be something that's going to actually come to fruition, but I, I think if you're looking for the Lakers, you just need someone. If you're using the pick and you're not getting Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. you need someone who's going to fit around LeBron James, yep. and that's someone who can shoot. And that's Absolutely. Hero, that's um, Ball Ball, and that's hopefully Cam Reddish. And that, that's, all we, that's all we took. Cam Reddish is definitely going to be having the highest trade value of that. Um, Hero probably the best. Uh, fit for him next to mm-hmm. a LeBron James player, and then Ball Ball, obviously a player that, if he pans out, would be something uh, definitely special in L.A., but all players that just try to fit around LeBron James and can be shooters from the outside. Um, and that's really just the biggest thought about this. Mm-hmm. Also, DJ uh, Augustine just hit a three-pointer, uh, 3.4 seconds left. No, no we're down to point five. We got oh, wow. it. And the, the Magic yeah, got, got the bound. Wow. Uh, tried to pull it up, and uh, ESPN's not even playing it. It's over. It's uh, over. Two upsets. Magic win and the Nets win. So uh, is the Magic an upset really? Because I sort of talked about it a little bit. <laughs> it's an upset. Uh, <laughs> Smirk. The lead man can just like, yeah, I was right. That's gonna do it for eleven through twenty. If you guys don't have any other final thoughts, no, I'm good. I think we nailed it. But let's move to the final segment, and that is twenty-one through thirty. We're gonna change it up again. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go through how we usually do. We're just gonna read off our picks for twenty-one through thirty, and then we're gonna try to talk about every single team. What we want you to do. As the listener, as the viewer, uh, to let us know which style you like better. So go back to the 11 through 20 if you didn't already and watch that as well so we can get a better feel of what you guys think is the best way to uh, put through this this information because we mm-hmm. felt like the last one uh, we were talking too much about the picks and we really didn't get into a conversation. So hopefully this will lead to more conversation. We will see. If you guys have any other ideas on how to talk about uh, every single pick, uh, all 30 picks, please let us know. But, boys, let's jump into it. Rick, give us your 21 through 30. So because I am a dum-dum, I'm going to ask one more time. Same as 1 through 10. I just go straight through, and yes. then we'll talk about each one? Yes. Okay. So starting off at number 21, the Thunder are going to go Nasir Little, the forward from UNC. Then the Celtics at 22 go Todd Jerome, the guard who uh, likes to bounce the ball off the back of his foot, um, from Virginia. Then the Jazz, Grant Williams, the forward from Tennessee. Then the 76ers go with my boy Ig- Iggy Brizdikis, the forward from Michigan. Cavs via the Rockets going Daniel Gafford, the center out of Arkansas. 
The Trailblazers then go Cam Johnson, forward from UNC. Nets via the Nuggets going KZ Akpala, the forward from Stanford. Warriors go with Admiral Schofield, forward from Tennessee. The Spurs at number, what would that be, 29, 29. going with Goga, or as I like to call him, Gorga, um, Batazde, the center from International. And then the Bucks go with Talon Horton <laughs> Jr., the forward from Iowa State, or THT. All right, Dave, give us your 21-30. 21, I've got Nasir Little going to the Thunder. At 22, I've got Keldon Johnson falling all the way down to the Celtics. At 23, I've got THT going to the Jazz. 24, I've got Cam Johnson going to the 76ers. At 25, I've got Daniel Gafford going to the Cavs. At 26, I've got Matisse Thibel going to the Trailblazers. 27, I've got the Nets going Bruno Fernando, or as Ricky likes to come, Fernandez. Hell yeah. Uh, I've got the Warriors at 28 taking Grant Williams. I've got the Spurs at 29 taking Charles Bassey. And at 30, the Bucks taking Ty Jerome. All right, my 21 through 30, I have the Thunder taking the best player in the draft, Naz Reed, the forward out of LSU. If you haven't seen him, he is basically Michael Jordan. Uh, then 22, we have the Celtics taking Daniel Gafford out of Arkansas. Uh, 23, the Jazz taking Cam Johnson from UNC. 24, the 76ers taking Lugans Dort from Arizona State University. Uh, 25, the Cavs via the Rockets taking Bruno Fernando uh, from Maryland. At 26, we have Trailblazers taking Goga Batazde uh, from International. Uh, 27, we have the Nets via the Nuggets taking Casey Akpala. 28, we have the Warriors taking Grant Williams from Tennessee. 29, we have the Spurs via the Raptors taking Lewis King. Shout out your boy, Ricky. Hell yeah. And then, 29, we, or, and then 30, we have the Bucks taking Mattis Thibel, Matthias Thibel, uh, Matisse Thibel uh, from Washington. I don't know which one it is. It's not Matthias. I believe it's Matisse. Yeah, I don't think it's Matthias because there's no H. Uh, I'm not sure. I listened to... Oh, it's, oh it's God, Matisse. who was it? And Mattis. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's Might not... Might be Matthias. Matthias. Uh, it's not Matthias, I don't think. Uh, but let's jump through it. We'll start with the Thunder at 21. Uh, what's the big? What were we trying to address at least with the Thunder? Was it best player available? Was it potential, or was it some fit that you like with uh, with Nasir Little? You both guys uh, have taken uh, Nasir Little. I just fair. He, he they like athletic wings mm-hmm. uh, who can't play basketball. So I give him an athletic wing who can't play basketball. Nice, good for you. It's a so, theme pick for so me. So Nasir Little's gonna win the dunk contest next year. I mean, Hamadou Diallo was dope, <laughs> but Terrence Ferguson didn't though. Terrence Ferguson didn't, but he learned how to shoot. Which was awesome. He stepped up into a role, um, and I loved him. At, I loved Terrence Ferguson before coming out from Australia. So Nasir Little, I don't think it's a. I don't think his story's done. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of development to do. I think this is a team who has a knack for maybe developing these type of players. Yeah, and Ferguson too. He came and I think he was like the 14th ranked high school prospect or something like that. Yeah. So very similar to Nasir Little. Um, in some ways, where highly ranked uh, high school prospect didn't go in the lottery though. Um, and then they were, you know, had to do a lot of development to come over. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, Nasir Little coming from more a respected program in, in UNC uh, than Terrence Ferguson going to the Australian Basketball League. Um, but definitely an interesting fit. Um, I, I, I had Nasir Little going a little bit earlier. Um, still don't have a real gauge on what he is. Uh, but Ricky, what do you like about the fit? Yeah, I just, for me, it's one of those where could they use a kind of athletic wing? Yes. But also the Thunder in a position, almost like I said with the Heat, where if they take Nasir Little and he needs to take the full year to develop, I'm going to use, I almost want to say like Markel Fultz, but not exactly Markel Fultz, where it's like, hey, we're we're a good team. If you have to take the year to kind of work on you and like get ready to be in the NBA, fine, we can do that because we are a playoff team 
with or without you on the court. Like, they're a playoff team now. Adding Nasir Little, if he doesn't play, this team with Paul George and Russ are still a playoff team. So, for me, I wonder if Nasir Little might be at 21 in some people's minds if he hits. At 21 might be like, wow, that was the sleeper. How'd he get all the way to 21? Where I will be the first to tell you, look at his college tape. That's how he got to 21. Mm-hmm. I have him going to Sear Little. Uh, looking at the Thunder, the big thing they need is offense. And Sear Little will probably. Uh, sorry, Nasir, Nas, Nas Reed. Reed. <laughs> uh, I have the other Nas. Uh, I have Nas Reed going there. And, and one big thing with the Thunder is they don't have a lot of offense, at least coming from their four and five spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Grant did develop a shot, which is big. Uh, Marquis For- Morris really hasn't made too much of an impact since coming up from Washington. Uh, Patrick Peterson's been there forever, but really has not. I mean, he's nothing special. Um, and then you'll get Steven Adams, a great defender, and Nerlens Noel. Uh, hasn't come over and lit it up exactly, but has done it's a decent great job. Yeah. He's not an offensive monster. And that's the thing is I think you need an offensive monster down there because a lot of the scoring, if not all of it, is just relied on three players and Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder, and, and Paul George. And taking that off with a guy who can play uh, a different position than those guys would be huge. And Nas Reed can do that. Nas Reed can score. And maybe he, you know, he's not the best rebounder for his size, but you have Steven Adams, you have Nerlens Noel, you have... Uh, 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 Markeith Morris, who uh, he might not be on the team next year, uh, but at least can provide boards if he does stick around. So the biggest thing that I think that he can do if he's playing next to a Steven Adams would be provide scoring, and I think that his athleticism and his body would be huge in a in a Russ pick and roll. May I toss out Enos Cantor as a hey? Look, they did it before. Yeah, kind of. Should they do it again? Yeah, he's more. Is he going to get burned because of like a defense? I know, but yeah. you you remember they did roll out the uh, mustache bros together for a that's, bit. That's true, um, and, and it, it worked out for them. It's just that Cantor was too expensive, um, and and we won't have that problem with Nasri. Uh, you might have the problem that Stephen Adams is too expensive, but I think for what he provides is very worth his contract. So young, too. Yeah, so I, I think that Naz Reed providing that offense would be absolutely huge for the Thunder, and that might be a reason why they might not succeed in the playoffs. Uh, maybe a second-round exit would be uh, what we're looking at uh, for them. Maybe Western Conference Finals. Um, maybe first-round exit as well, unfortunately. Yeah, if, they, if they don't make it, though, I think it's going to be probably due to just their offense relying so much on just Russell Westbrook and just Paul George. Um, and I think a lot of that has also has to do with Billy Donovan, so we'll have to see what his fate is. After the season, but let's now jump to the Celtics at 22. I have Daniel Gafford, Ricky of Ty Jerome, and mm-hmm. Dave. You have Keldon Johnson. Uh, we talked a little about Keldon Johnson already. The Celtics, uh, kind of comparing him to Avery Bradley. Um, why did you go with the pick though for Keldon Johnson? Yeah, same deal. Like that, okay. it's that easy. It was just he's a good player. He can play defense. His shooting's erratic. Uh, Celtics, you know what? Why not add another guard to your or another wing to your team? Because you know you don't have enough of those already. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to demand a lot of minutes, which is nice. There's not a whole lot of ego there for him. So I think that he can fit in in a bench role, limited minutes, and work his way through that rotation. Yeah, and you obviously went differently because yeah. Kevin Johnson was on the board. Mine was tricky, and the reason why is I already had them go with a center. I already had them go with a wing. And the only other position I think they need to hit with one of their first-round picks is a point guard. And after you got... Jaw's gone after Colby White's gone after Darius Garland's gone. This is to me the biggest team that is hurting from Trey Jones saying, Hey, I'm gonna go back to school and go back to Duke because this would have been a prime location for them to take Trey Jones. He would fit with that team, he'd be good for that team. But now it's like, okay, do we go with another 
wing or a four with what I have left? Do they go with a Grant Williams? Do they go with an Iggy? Do they go with a Cam Johnson or an Admiral Schofield or even a KZ Akpala? Or do we reach a little bit for a point guard? And I looked what's left. Shamori Pons, I don't think, is a first-round pick. Carson Edwards is for sure not a first-round pick. Really? Cassius so Winston, saying he played his way in. I don't think he's a first-round pick. I think who would he's rather have, round. Shimori or Car- Carson? I would, if I had to pick between the two, I'd have Carson. Agree. And uh, I just I feel like the only one left that's a possible first-round pick is Ty Jerome because I feel like, for me, he's more 25 through 30. But at this point, it's like, hey, is it a reach? Yes. But is it a bad reach? No, because at this point in the draft, you just take whoever you think is going to help your team the best. Celtics need a point guard. I, that's why I go with Ty Jerome. And he could be a guy that he's not going to be the main scorer, so he's not going to take points away from Jalen or um, Jason. And he could just be a guy that's more of a facilitator if Kyrie leaves. Yeah, I had him going with Sekou Demboya earlier at 14, and then I had him going with Kelvin Johnson at 20. So I kind of filled out that wing and guard spot, and then I felt mm-hmm. like they need someone at that center position. Um, I know Aaron Baines has been there, but now Horford does have a player option. Uh, but the biggest thing that I think stands out for them is that Al Horford hasn't been the same Al Horford. And Aaron Baines, while he, you know, he's fine, um, I think Daniel Gafford will provide a lot more energy out there. Very similar to what Robert Williams can do, but just more <laughs> at the center position and more of a bigger body. And I think that would be really helpful to the Celtics team. Uh, when you know Al Horford isn't out there, this team really doesn't run. And I don't think Gan- Ga- Daniel Gafford would be able to provide what Al Horford does at that center position, but he will be able to provide rebounding, which is something that has been a huge, huge, huge deficiency of the Celtics team. Uh, so I really like Daniel Gafford there for the Celtics. He probably should be going a little bit higher, but just with some of these team needs, uh, not a lot of these teams need a center, and I think yeah. the center is just not It's a really... low-value thing because you can get just another guy to kind of play there, mm-hmm. and it's it's not one of those positions where having an excellent center propels you to that next level often. Yeah, and the only reason why we have a guy like Jackson Hayes going so high is just because you look at the Hawks and like that's the only thing they really need. Yep. Um, and, and, that's, that, that, and with the Celtics, they don't really need much. Um, it's just really filling out. I depth could honestly see this be like a Euro player. Like, oh yeah, this could be Goga. Uh, I'm saying someone who's not coming over. Or Luca. Yeah, it, it could be. It could be a handful of guys because mm-hmm. you know this is the problem. They're stuck with these picks until free agency starts, or they, they trade for Anthony Davis. They can't. Oh, that's right. Because of uh, still Kyrie. under that's the right, roster. That's right. That's right. So they're stuck with these picks. So you have to either attempt to draft for yourself. You have to attempt to draft for. The Pelicans trade and go for valuable guys, you know, whether the fit matters to them. Could or they? Or you kind of ride the middle post and be like, we could use these guys, but we can also float one euro, one, two euros, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think it's do an you, interesting draft choice. Bro. Do you think the Celtics, now that we know for sure how many picks they'll have, of course, the Grizzly pick, we don't they, know. They could get because of, well, we know where the bottom three are going to be. Correct. And they could get the Grizzly picks well, bill because actually, of Actually, the... they could not get the last one because the Kangs pick could go to number one. Okay. So for right now, we know two for sure two are theirs. Yep. Let's say they have three or four. Sure. Do you take one of these later picks and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we don't need to spend a guy here. Do they trade the pick? Of course, 100%. you're getting a pick, but it's like, hey, 100%. we can go and get a guy where it's yeah. like, hey, we're trading back. And then we'll get an international guy that we I can, know is not coming over. Yeah, I could see them trading three of these four picks if they get if they get four of them. Mm-hmm. Three of these four picks just to get future picks because that way the Pelicans can use it. Yep, um, it's all value, and that's the yeah. problem. Is like as soon as you take the guy, your pick is less valuable. Mm-hmm. Like having Kelton Johnson, Ty Drome, or Daniel Gafford is less valuable than having the twenty second overall pick in the draft. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's just it's that's what it is. That's how value works in the NBA draft. 
So that makes I, sense too. Yeah. Because I mean, it could be anything. It could be a boat. Exactly. It could be Khalil Mack. Yeah. Um. So that's the thing that I I think that with the Celtics is it, it's definitely on the table, but we have to make picks, and yep. that's the thing. So we made picks. Uh, let's move on to the Jazz at twenty three. I have Cam Johnson, Ricky, you have Grant Williams, and Dave, you have Taylor. Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, all thinking about that three and four spot uh, or two spot if you're looking at Taylor Horton Tucker. He can uh, play all, two through four. We're all thinking wings. Uh, he a big chunker. Why are we thinking mm-hmm. wings, Ricky? Well, I mean, for me with the Utah Jazz, is I'm just sitting here going, um, my biggest kind of thing, and of course I go into my Google spreadsheet and it goes into the main um, part of it. But yeah, for me, the next pick down with the Jazz. I was just looking for best person on the board. And for me, it's I had Grant Williams last time to them. He is still there. So I'm going to go ahead and have him go again. Is he a little undersized? Is there questions from some people? Yeah. But I personally like Grant Williams. And also, I look at what he's going to be, and some people are like, oh, he's a three. Some say he's a four. If he is a four, Derek Favors is the only one there, and he's on a contract year. So that's another thing. The thing that I look at with Grant Williams is I think he might be too much like uh, Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at least play style wise. That's never a bad thing. Um, yeah, but. Joe Ingles actually is a much better shooter than him, though. Oh, for sure. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, you know, kind of undersized guys, uh, pretty decent with the ball in their hands. Um, not undersized for Joe Ingles, yeah. but like, uh, you know, are they a three? Are they a four? Um, and I think. They're both really good with their ball, the ball in their hands. Like they could be facilitator yep. for uh, at, at the wing position. So um, that's why I think at least drawing comparison wise, at least size wise, and they don't really have a lockdown position. Um, but I think Grant Williams is definitely an interesting pick. Might be a little bit of a reach, um, but I think one of the bigger reaches, Dave, and no offense, is Taylor Horton Tucker. Talk Talent. me into it. He, he's got potential. He's got that P word that everybody loves in the NBA, whether you like to admit Pepsi. it or not. It's Pepsi. It's the same reason that Dante Exum has. Three years, I'm sorry, two more years at $9.6 million, who's done nothing but get hurt. And he's looked awesome in the couple of games he's played between getting hurt, but that's all he's done. So I think that Talon Horton Tucker is a guy who he can mold. He has great athleticism, great body. He needs to slim down if you want him to play a smaller role, or he needs to actually work out and muscle up because a lot of the big things against him are his conditioning and his. Um, his body shape, basically. I feel like they body shamed him on national TV a couple times. I felt really bad about that. I think mm-hmm. that's like maybe going a little too far. Uh, maybe going a little too PC for me. But uh, regardless, I think he's one of those guys who I could see this team being able to use him in a unique position, kind of as Jay Crowder is going to exit this team. You're going to want to have someone who can go on from the bench unit, body guys up down low, work in the post, but he's also got a decent shot decent defensive player like he just has a lot of potential because of his wingspan his height like his whole body makeup is potential basically right now the thing that kills me is this is a team that i could see trading up i want them to trade up i want them to go get another guard because i what i'm seeing is rubio there's a chance he doesn't come back which leaves you with either running exum at the one who you can't count on mm-hmm. rule nito can't really count on or donovan mitchell grayson allen backcourt which I think it would be intriguing, but that still you need more guard play at that point. I said intriguing, not good. So no, that was me. I kicked, oh, okay. I kicked my water oh, bottle. Okay. Oh, okay, I got I real scared I there. there. No, got real scared. Um, so I think that they could go for another guard there, but there's no guard who I love enough. Like I don't think that uh, Ty Jerome is a great grab at this point yeah. yet. So if they could trade up into those you know teens and get into Kale Alexander Walker, someone who could come in and really complement. 
Donovan Mitchell and work with Grayson Allen in that second year. I think that would be probably their best case scenario. Oh, I agree with you there. I don't, think there's, I don't think there's a great point guard available. So let's say my situation, my mock draft plays out. Mm-hmm. Darius Garland is falling towards ten. Is there any way in your mind the Jazz? There's always a way, but they don't have the, no, no. they don't have the and, the actual capital capital. And that's what I'm it. asking. Is it possible for them to maybe let's say ten or eleven is where Garland falls? Could they move up, or are they too far back to make a move like that for a Garland if he slips? It's a lot to give up for him. I don't, I don't know that they do that move. I think they're right now. We're seeing them work really well with Joe Ingles facilitating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I would go for a Garland on this team necessarily fit wise. I think you need someone maybe a little more unselfish. Uh, your your primary scorer is and will always be Donovan Mitchell. And then you have such a depth of guys who can stand up and take excellent shots, high percentage shots for you. So Darius Garland, I think it would be an awesome offensive pairing, but I don't know necessarily it's the best fit for this team. If Walker falls to 17, they're calling the nuts. Yeah, I'll put I it that 100% way. would 17 call. to 23 is a very doable move. Yep. 23 to 10, not that doable. Do you think it would also hurt them to maybe wait? Could they wait on that and get a, let's say, Carson Edwards if he's there at 53? They have the 53 pick in the second round. I don't think Carson will be there at 53. Okay. Um, and again, second round picks are much easier to move for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that could be interesting. But I just think that this team needs to make a move to put themselves in a better position for the draft. They're they're not quite in, in the right zone. It's just the way it laid out right now. Who knows? After the lottery, things could change. Mm-hmm. People could fall. As well, we just did the NFL yeah. one. People fall. And yeah. I'm not huge on Ty Jerome. So maybe even Ty Jerome is available there at like 53, which would be a good pick. I uh, could shoot from the outside, can pass the uh, ball. Um, we'll see. I, boy, I've got him going at 30. And your boy Cassius goes, could be there, too. Cassius could be there. I love Cassius. <laughs> that's why I said your boy. I, yeah. I'm not high on Ty. So that's fair. That, that's one thing. We all like, got opinions. If, if he fell to 53, I'd like that pick. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that'd like be great. At, I don't like him at 23. I don't like him at 22. I don't like him at 30. Uh, I think that's a little bit too high. Um, all right. I, I have him going with Cam Johnson. Kind of similar, though. Um, uh, at least kind of similar, at least thinking in the wing. Uh, he's a very good shooter. Um, can can knock down shots, and if Joe Ingles is going to be a facilitator, if you know Donovan Mitchell is going to be a combo guard, uh, you need somebody who can stretch the floor still. And uh, Cam Johnson is a guy that can do that. Um, ever since I kind of you know started paying a little bit more attention to Cam Johnson uh, and looking at him, I I kind of always looked at him at that 23, 20, uh, 24 spot uh, for the Sixers of the Jazz. I really like him uh, as a shooting uh, aspect to one of those teams, and I think that's uh, where he's going to end up. Um, kind of. A little bit higher than you guys. Uh, you have him going next to the uh, 76ers, Dave. Yeah. And uh, Ricky, you have him going 26 to the Blazers, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's too much of a jump. Uh, I think he's not a great defender, but he's, he's at least put himself in good positioning. Um, he doesn't have bad positioning. He's just not that great of an athlete. Yep. Um, so that's really what hurts him there. Let's move now to the next pick, and that's the 76ers at 24. I have Lugans Dort, Ricky of Iggy Bersdikis, and I and uh, Dave, you have uh, Cam Johnson going. Uh, talk about you like Cam Johnson, the 76ers. Yeah, I think he's just the perfect fit for their system. You need to have someone at the four who can stretch out the floor for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So having him come in, you know, you have Tobias Harris potentially if you sign him for next year. We'll see about that. If you don't, I don't have a huge problem with Cam Johnson because he's an older player. He could probably step in pretty okay into that starting lineup without too many problems. But in ideal situation, he is a bench four for this team, and he's out there rocking it in limited minutes. And I think he absolutely is just a dead-eye shooter from from three. So. It's not like he's you know eking out with like low um, 
low count on his three-point shots to kind of cheese that percentage up. No, he's taking the shots. You've got plenty of game tape on him. You know exactly what you're getting with his product. So as the 76ers, for once, I'm taking the guaranteed product. Mm -hmm. And, like, for me, of course, I go with Iggy because I liked what he did at Michigan and was able to shoot from the outside. He can go ahead and work in transition with that team, especially off of steals and running for fast breaks. Here's the question I have about the 76ers, because I feel like I picked a wing just because of what you said, Dave. Here's the thing I want to ask you guys. Let's say P.J. Washington, for whatever reason, is available at 20 at the Celtics. If you're the 76ers, do you call up the phone? Knowing the Celtics, we mentioned, want to maybe move some picks. Do you maybe do that to trade for a P.J. Washington, because Mike's got your only power forward on the roster. No, 100%. But Once like, burned, twice, I don't know. Like That's making deals with the Celtics. <laughs> but it's only making, 20 Calling the devil, Dave? You're making deals it's with the devil? It's only 2024. You're not going to get a full wow. Tatum screw job. But it's only one to three. You're not going to get a full <laughs> Tatum screw Like No, that's I'm different. sorry. No, no, no. They're going to draft somebody, and it's just going to be like, Woo! man, the Celtics. You know what it is? Just, you know what it is? Mm. Celtics. Take a Nas read? No. <laughs> Celtics will be there, and they'll be like, no, we don't want P.J. Washington. 76 will take him, and the Celtics will take Nas Reed. Yeah. And Nas Reed will turn into Michael Jordan. There you so, go. There we go. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I no. think the 76ers, like, if, if P.J. Washington started falling, I think they'd be definitely a team to move up. That's really can be said about any team. Mm-hmm. Uh, P.J.'s just got a great skill set, and he developed his game in such a short one-year mm-hmm. turnaround time, so... I think seeing that improvement out of him and that encouragement, his attitude to go out there, hurt, and play, there's, he has everything you want out of a four. Cause like 100%. Because like I almost have the same thought about the 76ers that you had about the Jazz, where it's like, I want them to get a four, because like I said, Mike's got the only one on the roster. Yeah. He's a free agent well, at the end of the, the year. The concern I would have is just that would him and Toby kind of be two similar players? If he resigned Toby. Um, well, that's the asterisk to all this. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Toby's up at the end of the I'm year. But, like, I look at the other power forwards, and out of the ones on the board that I have left, Killian Tilly, Dietrich Lawson, and then you go into, like, second-round territory. Ethan Happ, Jalen McDaniel. second-round territory. Well, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, even, like, a Dietrich Lawson could be second-round territory to where I'm like, I don't feel like reaching for one of those. That's why I go with a... Um, wing and someone at the three at that position because there's just a ton of them right here lower in the draft. And I just wonder if one of the fours at the top fall a little bit, could the 76ers pick up the phone, call somebody to maybe work a deal for that instead of just saying, hey, we're just going to sit here and take BPA? I mean, you could go for like Eric Paschal. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's one of those guys who maybe could go to that range. Mm-hmm. I think the 76ers are looking BPA, though. Or they, just, they need they need bench help in in any single way at every single True. position. So I don't really think the biggest thing is like they they have a, a big need. They just have a need for bench players. I mean, the, yeah. go, the GOAT could be leaving. TJ McConnell could be going. You're going to kill Jake by saying GOAT. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just worry that the 76ers, I mean, the 76ers are just like, I have him going Lugan Stork just because, again, he's probably the best player available. Mm-hmm. And coming off the bench, uh, coming off the well, I mean, potential wise, um, he's the youngest, at least, him or Lewis King. Um, he's a freshman. I put up 16 points. The Pac 12 is nothing to scoff at. Um, and I think his body is definitely something that is multiple. Ball. Yeah, I, I think that he's a guy that I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by. So I think that 
if you're able to get him at 24, it's it's definitely worth worth the risk. Um, I would have Ayo Dasumu uh, here uh, from Illinois, but I think he's going to go back. So yeah. uh, that's the reason why. But if he, he wasn't going back, I'd go Ayo just, just because scoring off the bench. Just a is quick huge. correction. Did you say Pac-10? I said Pac-12. Okay. Just my, I heard Pac-10. I was like, whoa, are we in like 2005 or something? Nah, I said Pac-12. <laughs> I said uh, let's move away from uh, the 76ers, though. Let's move to the Cavs via the Rockets. I have Bruno Fernando going there. Uh, Ricky, you have Daniel Gafford. And Dave, you have Daniel Gafford. So we're going with the big boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, Tristan Thompson. Contract here. Yeah, contract here. And he's just also, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> try to get an upgrade. Yep. So. That, I mean, it's, it's not super scary or hard of a choice. Uh, the team has... So many holes to fill, and if you're assuming Kevin Love will be there next year, I'm not worried about the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got him and Larry Nance working together, holding down that shit. So, and really, with all of us going RJ, I'm not really worried about the three because I just drafted my three. Exactly. Yeah. So you're basically stuck with you know who you got at the five rolling forward, and I think I absolutely think that Daniel Gafford fits this team, mm-hmm. hot, and they could be young kids running with him. Works well. Only position I would worry about then would be probably the two guard mm-hmm. uh, for the for the Cavs, uh, but that's nothing too crazy because they're gonna be bad anyways. Uh, let's move now to the. Uh, I mean, do we want, really want to talk about Gafford too much? We talked I about mean, him a lot. The thing with Gafford that I like with him is with this Cavalier team, a upgrade from Tristan and B, he's gonna be grabbing a lot of boards for the Cavaliers Tristan because already, Tristan already does that. I know, but Gafford's gonna do better. Gafford's gonna be a How? better version of Tristan Thompson. Like at his peak or right I away. Tristan Thompson was one of the best rebounders. Tristan Thompson's pretty I'm decent. just I'm just gonna say as of right now it's gonna be like they'll start out with Tristan on top yeah. and then it'll very easily be yes, we're not gonna resign you and Gafford's the future and we're just gonna switch you, you guys. You think it's a Rolo situation? Basically. Like okay. Wendell would have been the starter if he didn't get injured. By the way, the disrespect to Brandon Knight saying they don't have a shooting guard. <laughs> I know they play two point guards together because, you know, J.R. Smith didn't want to play basketball this year. I but. guess I know it's disrespectful to J.R. Smith because he's probably going to come back next year, right? I s- right, J.R. Please, J.R. Please. Um, soup. What soup is he going to eat this year? I like how he goes with the soup. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Trailblazers. Nothing soupy about this pick. Um, I have Goga Batazde going. Uh, Ricky, you have Cam Johnson going, and then Dave, you have Matisse. Matisse. Matisse Thibel going uh, from Washington. You looked uh, it up. I'll start off from uh, the Trailblazers' standpoint. I have Goga Batazde going there. Um, obviously, Yusuf Nurkic was hurt and got hurt, broke his leg, so uh, hopefully he can recover soon. But one thing that they will be lacking will be a center. Uh, you look at Enos Cantor, his contract coming up. I don't know if they will want to resign him. But if they're trying to go with that mold, I think Goga Batazde can be an offensive stud like Enos Cantor is. So if and when Nurkic is healthy— He's your backup center. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a not, chance he could play defense, too. Yeah. So uh, I think Gogo would just be pretty much the uh, heir apparent to Enos Cantor. And I think it would be a nice fit. Um, I don't really have a huge fit for them outside of uh, forward, but I think Gogo's the best available, and he also happens to be a fit. So uh, that's my thinking with the Trailblazers. Ricky, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like the only thing I would think of is four or a three or four, basically. And, like, really it's depending for me off of what I saw this year from uh, – Aminu and then Harkless were, are both of them great? Not really. Um, but, I mean, the thing where I looked at here was Cam Johnson, a one of my sleeper picks when we talked about sleepers with John on the podcast, and this is one where I'm like, I can't pass him up. I got to go with him. I can plug him in at the three, and he can be someone that starts out as a bench player, maybe then takes over for Mo Harkless. Um, next year or the year after and can be a really special piece 
because of like you guys have said and how he shoots the ball. Um, could be a real special piece for the Trailblazers that already has CJ, already has Nurkic, and already has Dame. Sir, Dave, Bible, uh, dude's a roamer on defense. I absolutely love his effort. He's the best defender in the entire. I can't remember the conference. West. Pac-12. 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 There we go. We, we talked about it so much, and I literally couldn't pull it. Uh, he's, he was the best defender in the Pac-12. He can guard twos, threes. Um, I absolutely love this team going forward because we got to see that tiny little peak on an Anthony out there. The mm-hmm. 37 points. It's not a tiny peak. Yeah. Ain't no tiny peak. When he hits puberty, like, be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> be afraid. That kid is a monster. His shot's so lightning quick. Um, so they've got young guards on the up-and-coming with he and Gary Trent Jr., I think uh, Matisse is an absolute fantastic addition to being a 2-3 on that team. Yeah. Incredible defense, and his shot's not awful. He had a couple of really rough offensive games. but Throughout it, his it, whole career, he's not his entire career. He's, he's, in, he's not good. Um, but if you want someone who is Andre Roberson-esque, he's the guy. He's that guy, and I mm-hmm. think that's that's something that the team would absolutely love to have is someone who can step in, make an instant defensive impact, because, you know, like Evan Turner's been, you know, so great for them. So Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, great contract, too. Uh, let's move to the next one. Uh, Nets via the Nuggets. Uh, Dave, you have Bruno Fernando going. Uh, Ricky, you have KZ Akpala going. And then I have KZ Akpala going as well. So, Ricky, talk about our KZ Akpala pick while I change the battery camera. I mean, I just look at it, and for me it was I already had them go with a four. Um, I believe I had P.J. Washington, as I'm not looking at the um, spreadsheet Right now, I think I had P.J. Washington go to the Nets, or yes, I did. Um, so they got their four. I look at the three, and Demar Carroll is a free agent. Jared Dudley's a free agent. Hollis Jefferson is an RFA. So many free agents at the three. Hollis Jefferson is a four, though. I well, it's, he's listed as a small he's four. A three. That's all I'm going on. No, yeah, sorry, he's a four. Um, he is a four. All of those guys are free agents. I'm going to go with the best. Three, the best wing off the board. And for me, that's KZ Akpala. So I go with it, and boom, I move on. Yeah, I agree. I think KZ just has so much potential. And just at 27, it's just a bargain for them. There's no reason not to take them. And that's the thing with, like, how this is vastly different than, like, our top 10 is when you get down here, it's either we need you to do something really well, like shoot a three or defend or play, be our scorer off the bench, or it's just, hey, we got who we got, and we're just going to take BPA, and we're just going to take the best player there and move right along. Yeah, or the most intriguing, because this is like, he's not only the best player, but I think he's also just got the most potential. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's no reason does. not to go with it. So. Ball handler with his size, his speed, his, mm-hmm. his ability, if he can connect that shot together a little bit more often, he's a little scary. If he fills out more, you think he's a four? I think he absolutely is a four, and I don't want to say who I think he could play like. So, <laughs> I'm nope. Well, bunch of, nope. Say it. He's is it long. Draymond? No. Okay. I was, just, close. I was just thinking fo- a four that Dave might not want to mention. No. Draymond he's Green. long. He can ball handle. He can go to the hoop with it. His pull up game is still a work in progress. Say it. No. Say it. No. Now I'm, really, MVP this now I'm year. really intriguing. You think it's Giannis? I think that he can be a on, shitty what? version of Giannis if everything hey, works out I've, well. I've thrown that comparison no. out. To but, Rui, I yeah. know. And that's the thing. You watch Rui play, and you're like, this guy's a longer, taller, <laughs> better version of Rui, in my mind. Uh, so I think that at you his absolute best, he can put up a garbage stat line version of Giannis. <laughs> so so if Bruno Fernando Giannis. develops the dribbling uh, handles, would he be a garbage version of... Joel Embiid? Uh, no, I was going to say, oh. say Giannis. <laughs> 
Look, I just said as a playstyle. I don't think that's what he will be. Yeah, yeah. I think that it, he is a slasher. people freak out when okay. you make they those. They do. He's a slasher. That's what you get. You get a slasher who can be, facilitate the ball to I, the outside. I think it would just be Evan Turner. He could be Evan Turner. He could be Evan Turner. Just maybe, maybe a better shotter. Is he longer and taller he's than Evan Turner? He's only an inch taller than Rui. Yeah. What? Only an inch taller. Wait till he gets measured again. Okay. He's only an inch taller right now and about 10 pounds lighter. He's a better shotter. And That's wingspan. A better shotter. That's what I said that three times. I was waiting for somebody to laugh. I just went right past <laughs> Some fucking moron. Shotter. Look, I will, I will defend I picked. I put him at 20 or at 19 mm-hmm. for a reason. Like, I think he's got potential as a slasher who can facilitate, who, can has, who has a decent pull-up shot. Like, he's got a lot of potential there. There's yeah. absolutely a ton to love. And the Nets are one of the best at building young talent. So, 100% agree. That's why it's more Turner to how me many, than Giannis. Yeah. But. No, how, many did, how many did Karras have today in a playoff game? Uh, like, what, 23, I think, so is what he finished like yeah. with? Like, that goes to your developing. Like, oh. That was one where— They unlocked D'Lo, too. If I'm not mistaken— Spencer Dinwiddie from the G League. If I'm not mistaken, Karras was— was Karras the draft where it was like, shit, we don't have a first-round pick, and then they traded for, like, the 20th pick the day of with the Hornets? Uh, might have was been, that that draft? Look it up. They've, they've, done then, the, they've drafted, they've traded up into the first round mm-hmm. back-to-back years because they didn't have a pick, right? Yeah. Or I, not back-to-back years. I think twice. it's, I'm going to look it up, but I think that was the Levert one was one of those where it's like, shit, we, we don't have a first-round pick. We love that kid. You loved him. I did. You loved Karras. I, I was That's because he's like little Jimmy Butler. It's true. Yeah, it's worst defender. Yeah, um, he's still was, he's still good. It was with the Pacers. Yeah. Um, it's easy to be worse than like an all team NBA. This was eighteen to twenty two, didn't they? It was so the Pacers got Thaddeus Young. Yeah, that was the Thad Young. And, then, and then Brooklyn got <laughs> Karis Levert in a future second. It's a How good trade. a deal is that? It's, it's a, a win win. Yeah, it's a great trade for both teams. Is that win win trade? Good Doesn't have Pacers often. in Brooklyn. Yep, I got him going Bruno though because they need a backup center. At this point, you go get just another guy, but I think Bruno Fernando actually has uh, a lot of potential to him because he was a five-star recruit way back. He's he's a good ball player. He he, he rebounds okay. He scores okay. He's not going to do anything special, though. Like, he is the, like, I'm never going to wow you player of this draft in my mm-hmm. mind. But he tries hard, so I'll take him. Yep, and once I move to the Golden State Volunteers, I have Grant Williams going. Ricky, you have Admiral Schofield going. And then, I, uh, Dave, you have Grant Williams going as well. Uh, so let's talk about these volunteer boys. Uh, Grant Williams going to the Warriors. I look at it and just like you need somebody to be bench wing depth and uh, obviously. Do you bench Draymond? What's it? Bench Draymond? No, no. I'm just saying like bench... he is the bench version of Draymond is what well, I'm oh, saying. But more like or like you know Andre Godala. Like they just need bench depth well, yeah. at yeah. the wing position and they don't have that. True. Um, and I think Grant Williams can provide that. I think he's a very smart player, well-rounded player. Might not have a size, but that doesn't really matter to the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they they play small all the time. He he can pass out a low post. He can work that uh, mid range paint area. Like he, there's nothing amazing about him. But as a leader, he's exactly what you want. He's a high IQ, high uh, team oriented player. So I think that you get somebody worth a lot more value than a lot of the intangibles. That was the word I was struggling there. Great intangible player, and he has a decent enough game. Just the question of at at six eight, can he you know do the whole back to the basket basket in the mid-range game and get away with it? Or is he going to get smothered by bigger guys? Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting one, and I'm going to ask you guys about this because let me see. I'm going to look up really quick how many picks in the second round they have because this guy might be there. So they have the 58th pick as well, so end of the second round. Yep. Could you see them, and would it be a reach, for them to go with a Dylan 
um, Windler um, type of player because I'll be honest, I put Admiral Admiral Schofield there because of his three-point percentage and how he can shoot from the outside. I almost want to change it right now to Dylan Windler because I'm like, holy crap. Would that be a reach? I almost want to change live it, but your I won't. Truth, Ricky but I won't. Live your truth. No, live your like, truth. I just look at that and I just go. So why is Dylan Windler a great fit for the Warriors? Because, because he, he scores shoot. a lot and shoots a three. Yep. And all can, you say. And they just need bench. That's, they need that's to think all they need, though. Like that's all they, they need the is bench They have two greatest scoring. shooters, possibly of our generation. Why not have more? Uh, the great one of the greatest shooters of all time? Because why not need more? Because why not just get players that can do other things for your team? Because you shooting two of the works. Be- you have already <laughs> have two shooting the- works. You already have two of the better shooters in the in the league, and you know Grant Williams can shoot okay. Not he's, from three. I yeah. mean, he's, next he's draft, fine. I'm going to have to um, win. But <laughs> I think you need a guy who can provide something else, and that's what Andre Iguodala did, and that's what made that team so dangerous was because yeah. he could provide something else the off the expected. bench. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just want a guy who could shoot threes, like. What does that actually add to the team that can already shoot threes? Yeah, there's a reason why Quinn Cook isn't super highly desired. He's basically just out there to chuck threes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play defense, and he, he he's an absolute turnstile there. But, you know, in a pinch, he can he can fill in and be like garbage stuff out there just without, you know, half the ability to facilitate yeah. or shooting. But he's, he's, a, he's a good bench scorer, but that's, that's what you're getting. You're getting, like, garbage versions of the starters. I feel like they just need something else. And that's, yeah. that's the thing that I don't feel like. Grant Williams like brings a lost. toughness that uh, only Draymond's got. Yeah. Uh, let's move now to the Spurs. I don't know about that, but let's move to the Spurs. Not at all. Uh, you, Rick, uh, Dave, you have him going with uh, Charles Bassey. Ricky, you have him going with Goga Batazde. Uh, and then I have him going with Lewis King. Uh, really, do you want to talk about Goga or do you want to talk about Lewis? Because you haven't talked about Lewis yet. So, the thing with... Because I, I have him going Lewis, but you've, you've yeah. been on him, so I'll, I'll let you talk about Here's him. the only thing I'll say about mine first is this was just an easy pick of they went with the... They went with Lewis earlier, and now they're just picking the best center off the board. Um, Lewis King, to me, I think is going to be one of those players where many are not going to look at him because once Bulbul went down, people were like, oh, the Oregon Ducks, I don't need to watch them anymore. Um, and plus he was injured earlier this year. But when he came back, did it take a game or two for him to come back? Yeah. But, like, once he got rolling, he's a guy that in college was a consistent down the sideline. Like, he can be a 14 to 18 kind of game for them, depending on what day you get from him. I think, is he going to be the best wing available? No on many boards, but for me, I like what he brings. He can shoot. He can drive. He can be a scorer off the bench for you if you need it. And the Spurs are a team that desperately need a wing and a big. And if Lewis King is there, I would be happy with him with the Spurs because he's also going to fit the kind of coaching style that Pop brings to the table. Yeah, and you you already had him going to the, the Spurs mm-hmm. too. So we, we at least had the same mindset. And yeah. Dave, you had him going with Casey Akpala. And I think they do... I think they're kind of similar guys. Uh, Lewis King, Casey Akpala, again, like bigger yeah. wings that can handle the ball a little bit, yep. can dish the ball. So I, th- I think that's why uh, the fit does make sense for, for Lewis. And then obviously Goga, uh, you're thinking bigs. And Dave, you were thinking bigs too. Yeah, uh, just, with, with they Charles need Bassett. center depth. And that's it's killing them. Charles, solid player. I know you hate the man because he does not do anything to wow you. I don't he's think he's aggressive feet. enough. Yeah. That's the thing is I don't think he's aggressive enough and I don't think he's quick enough. Um, we were watching some games of him earlier. And a big thing that he was doing was just a lot of entry passes from his guards yeah. and then just dunking the ball. And 
all right, but what like, what more do you want out of a center? But I didn't see enough where it was like, <laughs> Donks. this guy's yeah, worth, worth a first round pick. I and, and defensively, defensively, people are are saying that he can bring a lot to mm-hmm. the team. He was averaging two and a half blocks at, at Western Kentucky, but it's at Western Kentucky, and like, what athletes are you going up against? So I, that's a guy that I think combine when the combine comes, maybe he jumps. Okay, um, but he's a guy that right now I just I don't feel comfortable taking. For me, the Spurs are one of the slower-paced teams. I think that they absolutely could use him and a player like him. Mm-hmm. They go deep on their rotations most of the time anyway. I, I think it's – I wish there was a better center. I wish Bruno didn't go to the Nets, and he they, they could have got Bruno. I would have been happier. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree. It's You need a wing. You need a center. Like That's that's your bread and butter. If you want to go double wing here, I wouldn't feel bad. Mm-hmm. Then you can go for someone like Admiral. You can go for someone like Lewis King uh, at this point on my draft board. So – Either way, I don't I don't know that there's necessarily a wrong answer, but I think Charles was my next best center up. So I felt like at that point, make the roll on it. What do you feel about Jakob Hurdle in a Spurs uniform? How do you feel about his his tenure so far? He's gotten better. When he started, he was not showing me much. Um, he he started to get better. I think that he can be a double double uh, guy there without a problem. It just depends a lot on their offense next year because we're going to see DeJounte Murray back. We're going to see Lonnie Walker contributing. You still got Derek White. You still have a couple other You still have a couple other pieces. So scoring-wise, you're not going to have to count on him for a lot because you still have LaMarcus Aldridge running the low post. Yes. But ideally, he's probably just going to give you, you know, eight points, ten boards. Not, not going to be a terrible player. I just don't know that he has a ton more. And I don't know that we'll see it that much more unless LaMarcus leaves. And they have to count on him for more of that low post presence. All right, let's move to the final one. We got the Bucks. I'm going Mattis Thibel. Uh Ricky, you have him going Taylor, Taylor Horton Tucker. Talon. And then uh Talon. Uh and then uh Dave, you have him going Ty Jerome. So three guys we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um but why do you guys think they were good fits for the uh Bucks? I'll start off. Um I've been mocking Thibault towards them just because I think they need defensive help. Um and he's not a great shooter, but coming off the bench, and if Brogdon does leave leave, they do need a great defender, and I think uh, Thibault clearly provides that, and and if he's able to create steals, he's able to create blocks. You're just able to toss it up to you know Giannis, and Giannis running the fast break is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's pretty much what it is. I think he can create a lot of turnovers, and that's just going to help them, uh, you know, score more points already. And this is a team that had one of the best differentials already in the league, and a lot of that's due to their offensive ability to move the ball around the uh, around the arc and, and open up sh- shots for their shooters, and then obviously open up lanes for Giannis to drive through. And then I think. Uh, Pretty much adding Thibault will just create more opportunities for them to score. So uh, I think it's a pretty natural fit. A long kid that uh, already fits great with the Bucks. Um, so defensively, he's going to be able to step up and uh, you know provide some turnovers for them uh, when you know Giannis is on the floor. So I think Thibault is a good fit for them. Uh, THT though, what do you think? Yeah, I mean for me, it's one of those first off Chicago kid. Got to throw him some love. Uh, Simeon uh, Career Academy kid. Um, but for me, it's one of those things where first off. He's got the wingspan, so he's a Milwaukee Buck um, for sure. But he can defend. He can score. Like, is he a main scorer? No. But he can score. He can defend. His steals are right up there. And number one, Chris Mid could be leaving. So, I mean, he's not like, oh, we're going to plug him in as a starting three on this team. But if Chris Mid goes, if Nico doesn't come back, then maybe it's like, hey, we need a guy like Talon Horton Tucker. Where is he an amazing three-point shooter? No, but he can hit 30% from three. If he can give you at least 10 a night his first year, it might be a good thing for this team 
The only thing I want to see more is him get to the line because I feel like he didn't get to the line enough. And when he did get to the line, 62% is got off on my mind. If you get to the line, you got to hit him. And I would like to see him get to the line more in the NBA. It's fair. Uh, I'm going with Ty Drum, though. I'm mm-hmm. going, give me a veteran player, give me a high percentage shooter, someone who is a leader in college, someone who can step in. Basically, it worked pretty well at Brogdon, right? Right, guys? Right? We're mm-hmm. all pretty happy with the 50, 40, 90 guy. Yep. Uh, so let's go ahead and get me another one of them. Uh, continue to build up that backcourt some more, just in case. I think they pay him. I don't think that's going to be an issue with Brogdon. I think he's back for sure. But you want to continue adding that depth. Have, you know, you got baby Bron Bron, you got Malcolm Brogdon out there as present. You want more guys in that same vein. I think Ty Jerome is exactly what that bench unit would be thrilled to have. Yeah, he, he'd be an interesting player. He's also long, too. I yeah. Mean, uh, 6'5 guard. I mean, that's, that's Good defender. definitely something that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, very similar to Brogdon, too. Yep. Uh, Brogdon's about 6'5, too. So, uh, definitely an interesting pick, too. Um, I don't lo- like him in the first round, but if he's going to go to the place, I think he's I- borderline first round. T- like him and Carson Edwards flirt with that first round line. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, he is some, one of those guys where if you're like, I, I think he fits what we want, and you're at the end of the first. I like that. It's the contract. I like that for the Bucks. That's yeah. the thing is, I like that for the Bucks. Um, that's gonna do it. Uh, this was 21 through 30. We did it a different way from 11 through uh, 11 through 20. So let us know which way you like better. Um, I'm kind of partial to the 21 through 30. I think it flew by. Uh, it was a little bit longer than the uh, 11 through 22. Uh, so I think it went a little bit quicker. Personally, than I love this way better than that second yeah. segment. But let us know down below because you guys are the ones uh, digesting this. So we definitely want to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to us at Most Valuable Pod on uh, Twitter. You can also talk to us on our Discord. Uh, and you can join that by uh, patreon.com slash Podcast and becoming a member at the bronze tier. Also, we want you to uh, at least uh, persuade you or at least uh, implore you uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're always just trying to grow and uh, become bigger. So uh, your help by subscribing would be absolutely huge. What are you guys sharing? Uh, it's, it, I'm reading on? the, oh, the, going the, on? the I'm magic a, thread. I'm look. Upvote oh. if you had as many points as Kyle Lowry, because I did. Nice. Yep. <laughs> nice. Uh, Clippers and Warriors start right now, and if anything uh, from earlier means anything, uh, the Clippers are winning by 40. Um, <laughs> that's going to do it, though, for the uh, fast break. Two podcasts in a week, and we just did a uh, an NBA mock draft before that. And Ricky NFL. Did two, uh, NFL mock draft. Uh, live mock draft for two hours before that. And then uh, Ricky did two other podcasts mm-hmm. before that. Two too, AGCs so. coming uh, up end of the month. Uh, and you could uh, get those early by being a patron, yep. right? Bronze. A dollar. You get it a week early. One buck. Uh, so if you're a comic book fan, definitely check that out. But that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast. We'll be back next week with uh, a ton of patrons coming, so we're super excited for that. Uh, and we might not have a mailbag. I just realized that. We'll uh, see. We can still do a mailbag. We'll see how it goes. Dude, we're going to have a 14-hour podcast. Ike, we could do the mailbag separate and just have it be on its own. Ricky loves the numbers. You're going to kill me. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move uh, away from this and let's go uh, home. Uh, <laughs> you, you thought we were going into wet boys. For, we did wet For boys. Ricky Wimmer, for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.